0: Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just
1: made a podcast. It's called Coachella Bucket. Two friends just made a podcast. Two good friends just made a podcast. Two friends just made a podcast. Coachella
0: Bucket, Georgia.
2: Okay, hello, and welcome back to Culture Bucket. This is our seventeenth episode. Yeah, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think. So.
2: Episode seventeen. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, I am with my co-host, as always, Alex.
0: So it's <laughs> me. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. <laughs>
2: uh, how are you this week, Alex?
0: I'm very good. Thank you very much. How are you, George?
2: Um, I'm. Good.
0: (laughs) That was a long pause.
2: Yeah, I'm just thinking thinking it over in my mind. I think I'm good overall. As good as we can be. Oh my God, what's that? Somebody else is here on the Skype call. Uh, What's (laughs) happening? We have a guest today because we're doing top five video games. So we've had to fly in a substitute for Alex, who... Loves video games, but doesn't have a list of video games. So we are joined by the uh, effervescent, wonderful, marvellous, incredible, all the way from the land down under, Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you?
3: Hello, Culture Buckets. I'm, I'm good.
0: <laughs> Hi, Dan. Uh, Dan. Thank you for having me. <laughs> thank you for coming. You're very welcome. Yeah, uh, we
3: needed
2: Dan, you. Dan is, Dan is my inarx's good friend from... When we all lived together in Japan, having yeah. adventures there. Pretty good times.
0: Yeah, and now and we live in three different
1: places.
2: Yeah, now we live in three different places on two different
3: continents. Yes. So, Dan, how do you feel? feel good. I hope I can do your show justice. I'm excited to talk about five of my favourite video games, non, non-Nintendo, right? It was a hard list to put together. I spent about a month. Uh, putting
0: it together, I was very sorry. <laughs> sorry, Alex. Yeah, it's
3: okay. Um, it's okay. Yeah, very
2: good. Yeah, and to keep to keep Alex involved, she has done uh, some very dutiful homework and watched some YouTube videos uh, of these games so that she can have an informed viewpoint and join in our discussion. Is that right, Alex?
0: Yes, I have. I've I've uh, I've watched videos.
2: <laughs> so don't don't spoil it. But how was that experience of watching videos about games you haven't played? <laughs>
0: Interesting, yeah. I think I spent an afternoon watching videos, and yeah, it it was interesting. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll talk about it later. It must
3: have been a bit weird, like describing some of these games. It's like, oh, this game's incredible, and the story takes you here, but it's set in this really weird place, and and it's so hard for like a trailer or a twenty minute video to to describe one hundred and fifty hours of playing a game. So hopefully, hopefully the notes helped
2: yeah, there's at least two games on here that I've spent over two hundred hours playing, I think so two uh,
0: some video <laughs> <laughs> that's insane. You, uh, I I admire you guys for putting so much effort in this because i i'll I will tell you my thoughts later about it because <laughs> oh, it's it, it, a world that <laughs> <laughs> it's a world that is completely away from my world. It's crazy, but there are videos on YouTube that are four hours long.
2: Ah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah. Longer, I started watching yeah.
0: one of them and then I didn't realize it was four, four hours long. I was like, when is this video going to finish? <laughs> <laughs> you have another <laughs> three hours, <laughs> 45 minutes. Uh, no, thank you. Bye bye. I,
2: I tried watching a video on YouTube the other day that was uh, explaining the plot of Twin Peaks. <laughs> and it was, it was four and a half hours long. Did you watch it? Oh. No, I watched an hour of it and I was like, I think I understand his his point. Send <laughs> it off. Um, but it seems it seems very good. Okay, shall we get into our first feature of the day, culture catch-up time?
0: Yes, please. This is culture catch-up time. This is where we talk about what we've watched, what we've read, what we've listened to and probably some other stuff. Culture catch-up so this week, I yeah. um, uh, remember a couple of weeks ago, I uh, started, I watched a series called Insecure, an HBO I series called remember. Insecure. And I told you With that. It's Yeah, Issa Rae's series, Insecure. And um, the music, uh, the music curator or the music, there's a word, uh, consultant, is Solange Knowles. Yes. Yeah. So, um, I went on Spotify and I found the playlist for um, *Insecure*, and I picked mm-hmm. out. And I'm gonna maybe every week I'm gonna talk about one because it's of one artist because I think it's a really the the series has got a really really amazing soundtrack. So the one artist I'm going to talk about today is an artist called Sir S I R. Do okay. you know him?
2: No, I know Sir and I know her, but I don't know Sir.
0: I hope I hope you say Sir because I'm I'm reading it the British way. Sir, Sir, Sir,
2: Sir, Sir. S I. I fell over, Sir.
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: Sir, he pushed Dick. me, Sir.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Uh yeah, uh and um <laughs> listen to this. So he's a singer-songwriter from uh, uh, Inglewood, uh California. And Classic. I think he's like uh he's an R&B soul uh kind of guy. Very good. And he's also the younger brother of this um artist called D Smoke. Do you know D Smoke? Uh, no. Ah. So um a while ago there was this show um, hmm. which was called uh, Rhythm and Flow. That
2: rings a bell. Yeah, yes. so
0: uh, uh, Rhythm and Flow was this kind of Netflix, ne- I'm sorry say Netflix like my father, Netflix uh, series uh, where um, Chance the Rapper, uh, T.I. and Cardi B uh, were trying to find um, the next hip-hop artist and he was one of the contestants. I'm not going to say... Oh, it's cool. Yeah, it's a really good show. I would watch I would recommend to watch it. And I'm not gonna say in which position D Smoke arrived, but yeah, watch the show. Uh, but yes, Sir is the younger brother of Desmoke, uh, which is another uh, artist that I really enjoy. And the album I listened to is an album that was released last year called um Chasing Summer. And Lovely uh, stuff. Yeah, it's a really good album. And the first song starts with a song called um, Hair Down, which features Kendrick Lamar. Ooh.
2: And I feel like I've heard of that song.
0: Yes. It's very different from Kendrick Lamar's style, uh, but yeah. it, he fits really well into the song. It's a... Mm. Yeah, and um, the album, I find their album really good. And it's kind of his... It's a story about his uh women experience in LA. And it's um, I read a few reviews and Pitchfork is the worst reviewer ever. <laughs> we keep talking about that, but they're so mean, aren't they? They're really Yeah, they're mean. really harsh. Oh, it's a is a pompous, samey, blah blah. And it's not that. It's yeah, maybe the album is follows is a bit samey, but I think it's a really, really good album and it's a really good listen. So I would definitely recommend um, this album because it's just a, it's just a good R and B album. I'm not really into R and B that much, but I really like this album, so uh, I think it's good. Sir, so, so my first entry of Insecure from Insecure, because I think the soundtrack is really good. Um, then the next artist is a completely different genre. Uh, and it's an artist called Jade Bird. Have you heard of her?
2: No, I have heard of Jade Bird.
0: Yes. Um, she's a English singer-songwriter. Um, I listened to her album, uh, which is called Jade Bird. Her genre is like Americana, indie, folk, rock, country. Beautiful. Oh,
2: right. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah. As a Brit.
0: <clears throat> yeah, and this is her debut album, uh, Jade Bird, and it's A really, really good album. I really enjoyed it. shes um, I didn't realize she was English. It's got a very American, Americana kind of um, sound to it. And um, she feels much older than she is. But then you listen to the lyrics and it's kind of her um, very personal to kind of break up. And um, the way she talked about it, which um, I read a little bit about it. And it was kind of her her how she feels now her lyrics and how she she kind of uh wants to write wants to evolve in a way so even if now maybe the lyrics are a little bit childish then she's gonna evolve into something else and uh which they're not childish at all I think they're really good uh but um it's it's really really good and it feels really personal so I really I really really like it and her voice is amazing and she's a really really good storyteller and you kind of Feel how she feels. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. She like you. mm. You
2: say that, Alex. But Mm. let me let me read you this.
0: Oh, don't tell me it's from Pitchfork. Some
2: some of these big numbers, however, rely on cheesy tropes that lack a degree of empathy. On Good At It, a twangy appeal to a cheating lover, Bird Riley pits herself against a goddess of arrival but she never quite reaches the desperation of Jolene or the venomous rage of Before He Cheats, instead lingering in an an ambiguous middle ground. Not my words, Alex, the words of
1: Pitchfork.com.
0: Who writes for Pitchfork? They eat hate every day. (laughs) They They must just have like a... uh, It definitely is
2: how they get views, though.
0: They must just like have a bowl of uh, nails... With like uh, with petrol and just eat it every morning and then write reviews because I think this album is really 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 good and for somebody that is this young I think she I don't know I think she manages to write and create some music that is totally hers and that's the beauty of it because it's hers why does she have to yeah. why does she ha- why does she but have she's not to as good write? as Dolly Parton yeah, Alex so why does she to have to write another Jolene yeah why like, uh, pitch like oh pitch Pitchfork, you need to go away. <clears throat>
3: yep, though they
2: did once record, they did once do a review of a Jet album by just posting a video of a monkey urinating into its own mouth, which was, which was pretty good.
3: That's amazing. Can you send out a video?
0: What? Who are these people? <laughs> yeah, I'll find it. Who are these people? They're horrid. I don't know.
2: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I I've talked I've talked recently about how much I love clipping, and they've given bad reviews to every single clipping album. So I yeah, I don't particularly
0: yeah follow
2: what they say.
0: And like the the Sir album, I read the review and I was like, that's nothing. Like the album, yeah, it might be a little bit repetitive, but it it just follows the style that Sir wants to use. No, They're yeah, just, yeah. They I don't like them, but yeah, Jade Bird, I like her. I think she's really great. Listen to her because she's got an yeah. amazing voice. Yes. You've
2: sold me on her, I'm gonna have a listen for sure. She sounds pretty good.
0: Uh have you so this week Phoebe Bridges and uh Mumford and Sons oh. released EPs?
2: Oh, did Mumford and Sons release an EP? EP
0: yes. Though. Yes, yes. Have you listened to it, Dan?
3: No, but Kenji messaged me about it. He said his voice breaks many times.
0: Well, I listened to it because I knew I was going to talk to you. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's it's just a live EP. Not bad. You know, it's uh, Mumphers and Sons, Be Mumphers and Sons. Um, it's it's different listening to them live than watching them live. I think they're better to be watched than to be listened to live. But I don't know. You've seen them many times, haven't you, Dan?
3: Yeah, they're absolutely incredible live. They're like so yeah, involve yeah. the audience so much. Like they run through the audience and it's... They sound as good as the record. They're just, I'm such a mm. fan boy for Mumford & Sons. Like, they're mm. just brilliant. Like The last time we saw them, they run, th- they run through the crowd and just hang out in the crowd for a bit. And then they get back on stage Aww. and they interact. Yeah, they're just brilliant. Just such a good band to see live.
0: But yeah, so I, I thought they were like that. And, and maybe in the, the EP, they don't really come across as energetic like that because I've seen them live. Well, on YouTube, I've never seen them live actually but um yeah but it was good and then um, phoebe bridges uh, released um an ep of her album but different and I yes please what's the what's the name george
2: uh, the name of the ep is copycat killer and it's four tracks from her second album punisher but redone with strings
0: yes it was it was it was good it was good. Um I enjoyed uh, it.
2: let's say it's amazing and the best thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it and I listened to it on repeat all day.
0: Uh, okay. Well I listened to it and I thought it was it was good. Um I, I didn't I didn't really think that it needed strings, so I, I wasn't extremely impressed because I think her album was great anyway, and because I wasn't sure if I liked Stranger in the Alps or Punisher better, so I've listened to both of them recently and they're 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 getting they're getting closer because i used to prefer stranger in the alps but now i quite quite i like punish a lot um i don't know i i I didn't think it is strings personally i still think it's good but i think the strings just meh
1: 10 out of 10
0: perfect (laughs) ep (laughs) you just you just love her that's why
2: yeah. Also I've listened to those songs so many hundreds of times at this point that to hear new versions of them is a treat it doesn't matter whether they're strings or not it's just a nice change of pace to hear something slightly different
0: Yeah okay I guess cool Yeah and that's uh, that's it for my culture catch up this week short but sweet
2: Okay cool so okay so my culture catch up and then and then we'll go to to Dan um I've only watched one film since we last recorded and I'm not going to talk about it for too long, but I watched the 2020 Blumhouse film Fantasy Island. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that, Alex? Yeah. Have you heard of it, Dan? Nope. <laughs> I
0: haven't seen
3: it. Have you seen it's it? has got Michael Pe- Peña in it, right?
2: Yeah, Michael Pean is in it, playing the uh, the landlord of an island that if you go to it, your fantasies come true. And it's based on an old TV show that was done as like a kind of sci-fi drama kind of Sunday afternoon TV show, as far as I can tell. And then they've redone it as a horror movie where your fantasies are like, oh, careful what you wish for kind of thing. Um, <laughs> it's the worst film I've seen all year. Please, <laughs> please don't watch it. It's completely... It was it's indescribably bad. And that and the way that like I spoke to someone who listened to our episode where I talked about the hunt and they said they wanted to watch it because I made it sound, you know, entertainingly bad. Which might be true of the hunt. Please don't be tempted to watch Fantasy Island. It is irredeemably terrible. With no no positive qualities to it at all. It's one of those films that tries to have twists. And as soon as a twist happens, there's one big twist near the end where they reveal like who the like who the villain of the film is, essentially. And as soon as they make this reveal you think back and you're like, well, nothing that character has done makes any sense. Why would they have done any of the things that they have done if they were actually behind everything? Ah, oh, it's awful. It's so terrible. <laughs> it's weird, boring, bad. It's too long. Don't watch Fantasy Island. Um,
0: okay.
3: <laughs> so that's that.
2: I thought we were supposed to be that- a
0: positive podcast.
3: You pitchforked to that movie, mate.
0: To be honest. <laughs> yeah. I have, yeah. You definitely pitchforked
1: that
2: movie. Gladly. Oh, it's so bad. It's is so Michael bad. Penner oh bad my
3: god.
1: So?
2: Um Michael Penn is fine in it. He's not very good in it. Do you know who else is in it? Michael Rooker is in it. Um, who plays Yondu oh, in Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy, that guy. He's blue in Guardians of the Galaxy with the he's he's the blue guy in Guardians of the Galaxy, Alex. You you know him, right? Yeah. He makes a joke about being Mary Poppins. He's in it. He and no, no discredit to him. He's amazing, but he clearly just turned up on set and was like, "I'm going to read the lines you give me once to camera, and then I'm going to go home." Uh, it's the it's all everyone is bad in it. No one is the the director must have been asleep. Oh, it's just awful. The reason I've only watched one film is because my Buffy rewatch continues with with vigor. I'm now into episode nineteen of season three. The mayor's in town. Faith is here. Things are looking bad for Buffy. Willow's learning magic. It's the absolute best. I love it. Um, my character rankings remain how they were last week. So listen to last week's episode if you want to know that. Uh, and I'll I'll come back at you later with some uh, some rankings of the seasons I, and other things. I What's wrong, episode, Dan?
3: will <laughs> uh, we'll, spike. Uh, it's
0: it's a uh, it's a beauty. <laughs>
2: Spike, where's Spike? Spike was ooh, four or five, I think. Angel must have been low, right? Um, around four or five. No, Angel's high. I like Angel. Angel's <laughs> good.
0: <laughs> oh, not Angel.
2: I think Angel was just above Spike. I think. Um yeah. Great. Just just the absolute best. Okay, I'll tell you what. I ranked I ranked the villains of each season. So, I'm going to give you this, okay? Number seven, the first, yes, number seven, the first evil from season seven. Rubbish. What were they thinking? Number six, the master from season one. They were finding their feet. It wasn't great. Number five, Adam from season four. I like season four overall, but Adam is not a great villain. Number four, Glory from season five. I don't know, people like Glory, but I just had something, I don't know, that season overall for me isn't brilliant. Number three, The Mayor from season three. Such a great villain. He's all polite and nice, but then his head splits open and, ah, oh, oh, good stuff. Number two, Angel from season two, when he loses his soul. ah, oh, I love it. And then number one, um, I'll I, I, skip, skip, skip uh, a minute or so ahead if you don't want to know who the villain of season six is, because it's a bit of a spoiler. But number one, just like my character ranking, Willow. Best villain and best character, love it. Ah, she's the, she's just the absolute best.
0: Okay, <laughs> thank you for that.
2: Um, I've not watched anything other than Buffy and Fantasy Island. So moving on to a bit of music. Alex, have you heard the new Foo Fighters single?
0: Ah, no, I haven't. I ah. saw it, I haven't heard it. Listen. Yeah, so
2: it. they premiered it on Saturday Night Live uh, last week or the week before. Mm. It's called Shame, Shame, and it's the lead single from their new album, which is called Medicine at Midnight, I think, or Medicine for Midnight. It's out in February next year. It's a weird lead single for the Foo Fighters because it doesn't get very rocky at all. It's just quite mellow, mm. um, but it's pretty good. And I went from the back of that. I've listened to mostly Foo Fighters for the past two weeks, and it's been pretty, pretty great. They're such a good band. I'd, I'd, you'd, they're A bit like Arcade Fire, I will overlisten to them and then have to take a break for a while. So, um, Foo Fighters just have such a set sound. Like you know, all their albums are really good, but they have like a very specific sound that once you've mm. listened to you know, three hundred Foo Fighters songs in you know in the span of a month or so, it's it's time for a little break normally. Okay. Mm. Then Dan, you must have been pretty excited <laughs> because <laughs> last last week or the week before, since we last recorded anyway. Um, Australia must have been it must have been a festival. I heard that um in Australia they have to shut down schools when this band release a new album because all the kids will just take the day off and, and spend the day listening to it so they have to have a national holiday. ACDC funny? released uh. a new album. <laughs> must be a
3: big event, right? Yeah, it's massive, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's good. Got day off. Did you? <laughs> Akadaka. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Is it good? <laughs> akadaka. That's what the locals call it here, Akadaka. I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah, that's what they're called, right, over there, I Akadaka. Think... It's too long joking? saying ACDC, so it's just Akadaka.
0: No. Yeah.
3: No. <laughs> yeah, on, yeah. Seriously, it is. <laughs>
0: akadaka. I think I prefer Akadaka. Akadaka.
2: Akadaka. Have you ever heard an ACDC song, Dan? Yeah. Yeah, then you've heard this <laughs> album. Uh... Is that uh, it's really nice? good. It's, it's a, it is actually a really good ACDC album, but they're not they're not reinventing their sound in any way. Um, but it's pretty solid. Listen to it a few times. Would recommend if you like that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, good song on it called "Through the Mist of Time." That's probably my favourite song on the album. I'd recommend giving it a go. Uh, although I did notice that lyrically, <laughs> they are they are not. They don't. I don't think they spend a lot of time on their lyrics. The the main single is called Shot in the Dark, and I think the chorus goes, a shot in the dark, it's better than a walk in the park. <laughs> <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, sounds great.
2: Yeah. And then, boom, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. Last Thursday for me, a week ago for you, Dan, the PlayStation 5 was released. Woohoo! Yeah! Dan, do you have a PlayStation 5? I do. And it, it's amazing. Yes, I also have a PlayStation 5. Let's have a little bit of, a, of an initial impressions review chat about the PlayStation 5. <clears throat> so, Dan, what games have you played on it?
3: I have played Astro's Playroom. Oh! oh. That's what it's called uh yep. spider-man i've only played the remastered not the Mars morales because i want to play through that first before i get back to it i want to replay it right uh, demon souls um <laughs> and uh assassin's creed valhalla I think though those are the only games i play for it how about you
2: i've played this i've played the same as you but substitute i've not played spider-man but i've played bug snacks
3: oh yeah oh i played that a little bit too yeah
2: yeah um What's your initial impression of just the console itself?
3: Just absolutely massive. It's so big. <laughs> it's like everyone it says, oh, a it's big, big, big." It's big, and then you take it out of the box, and you're like, "It's very big." It's yeah, so big, but it's. Have big you got it?
2: Have you got it horizontal or vertical?
3: I got it horizontal because it just wouldn't fit fit vertically. i to put the stuff. Okay. And stuff here. Yeah. How about
2: you? Uh, I tried it horizontally at first, and in in the in but i've got a space under my tv where a ps4 and an xbox one had been sat and i had to take both of them out to put the ps5 in its place and then i had nowhere to keep the other two so i've had to take it out of there put the ps4 and xbox one back and now i've got it vertically next to my tv on the stand uh, i think it looks better vertically it, i think it looks weird horizontal
0: <laughs> this is a bizarre conversation <laughs>
2: No, it's a totally normal conversation oh, how, for two how do you put it? fully you put grown it men in their thirties to have
0: horizontal. I put it next to my TV. <laughs> Where did you put it? Um, yeah. <laughs> okay.
3: Um I was gonna say it's so it's so big. So many people you see online have had to like use IKEA like nightstands or like separate tables <laughs> to put it next to their TV because it doesn't fit in their entertainment centre. But I'm not criticizing yep. it, it's big because it's amazing. The technology is great and it keeps it cool. I have played it a lot, and I've not had any issues, so yeah,
2: it's... yeah, you haven't had that did you hear about did you hear about the whining noise that some people are suffering from no, I haven't heard that.
3: so I had, like the crashing and stuff,
2: but no, it makes it that some people are suffering from a whining noise, uh, like this really high pitched,
1: <laughs>
2: and somebody took somebody took their p s five apart and found out that a sticker inside the fan had come loose, and the fan was like oh. hitting the sticker as it rotated. Uh, and apparently it's happened to a few people and it's pretty that's pretty weird that's not great anyway what do you think of the uh the the UI the home you know the home menu and all of that stuff
3: think it's awesome i'm not going to lie when i first got it i spent about an hour playing with the UI like the home menu i was like proper like really geeking out like, oh, how do i do this how do i quickly get into a game or what settings do i need like it's just 4k at 120 like what can i get and um, I spent a lot of time just looking at the same same thing. I think it's good. The last the last UI for PS4, like when you went into the PlayStation Store, it would take a few minutes to, wouldn't take a few minutes slow, but it wouldn't be as instantaneous as yeah. right now. Um, but it's just instant now. It's built in. It's awesome, man. It's a bit confusing, like when you press the home button or like the PlayStation button on the. That's PS4, what I don't like. I yeah, don't
2: like that. It would take you back like to the it, dashboard,
3: right? But now it doesn't. It brings up a quick
2: now it brings up a little menu at the bottom and you have to hold it down to go back to the home menu yeah i'd prefer it to be it was the opposite way around wasn't it on the ps4 yeah
3: um
2: and i'm not sure and it's slightly more button presses to turn the console off than it used to be which irritates me a little bit
0: alex is loving this (laughs) (laughs) i just i just just... there's there's more (laughs) i would just I'm looking at pictures of the PS5. It doesn't look enormous, but I'm not sure. Like I'm I can't see it next to a person. But it's just it's just interesting. Well, a,
2: a picture of a a picture of an object doesn't look big unless you have like comparison. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. No, but there's a person there's a person holding it and uh yeah, it it looks big, yeah. And buttons.
2: It's it's bigger than my it's bigger than my Nintendo Switch, I'll tell you that.
0: What? Well, For okay.
2: nothing. Oh, I forgot to mention. Ah oh, Hades, Dan. I've been talking about Hades for the last month. I think uh, I've completed it fifteen times now and seen like the the final final cutscene. And I just want to say it's a masterpiece. Ten out of ten. I absolutely love it. My Switch tells me I've played forty five hours of it. It's it's yeah, it's great. Uh, anyway, sorry. Back to the PlayStation Five. So yeah, I'm not convinced by the user interface. I'm not. I don't like it very much. I feel like it's a first pass. I feel like it's an initial draft, and it will get updated at some point in the next year and be better. Do you, you see what I mean? Is it the button press? Just because, like, the button presses when you go into the home menu... No, sorry, when you go into the store, it like, it's very basic. It doesn't have, like, a discount section, for example. Mm. It just sort of lists everything, a big list. And I just feel like it, it feels like it's not quite finished to me. Um, but I'm sure it'll get there. It's not a big problem. problem. Game time... So let's talk about Astros Playroom because it is it comes free on the console, pre installed, and it is sold initially as being a just a tech demo to show off what the controller can do. And it's pretty impressive as that. I mean, did you do the thing down where you first start playing it and it makes the controller appear on screen and that's mm. when it shows you how the triggers work? And it's crazy, it, it forces you back and then it kind of lets you go down like this with this little click. And it's genuinely I've never it, it's amazing. And then it shows how effective the the haptic feedback is. That the vibration can can kind of centralize itself in different parts of the controller. So it shows you that by putting all these things inside this controller on screen, and as you move your physical controller, it rattles. Like if you if you tilt it to the right, the right of it will start rattling, and if you t- it's really impressive. Mm. It's got a microphone on it and a little touchpad as well.
3: There's a part um, in the game where you you use the touchpad to zip up a zip, and you can feel yes. in the controller what it feels like. For a zip to go up, it's really wow. like, they really use it well.
2: Yeah, and there's a bit where wow. so. First of all, it's so much more than a tech demo. I love that. I love this game. It's great, isn't it? Do
3: you think, Dan? Yeah, it's like a you're playing through a library of PlayStation. Like uh, when I first got it, I was like, ah, tech demo. I want to play Demon Souls and die a lot. But then I like, <laughs> was like actually, this is awesome. Like,
2: yeah, this is, it's, <laughs> really, it's like really, really a, good. yeah, it's like a virtual museum to the PlayStation. Yeah. So. You load into it, and it, co- it gives you these four areas you can go to, and one is based after the cooling system. Like, it's as if you're inside the PS5. So one is, like, the cooling system, one is the memory place, one is the SSD, where the games are loaded from, and one is the GPU, the graphical processing unit. But what I realised as I started going through one of them was that each one is also based after a console from the history of PlayStation. Mm-hmm. So I did, the, I did the cooling section first, and that's all based around the PS3. And you keep un- you unlock these artifacts, and it's like perfectly rendered models of different accessories from that PlayStation Three life. If you see what I mean, right? So it's like yeah. the PlayStation Move control and all of this stuff, and it's crazy. It's so cool. And uh, when you finish the le- like, I got to the end of that section and realized that the little bit of level I was wandering around in was inside the cross media bar which was the user interface for the ps3
3: oh wow i never realized that that's awesome
2: yeah if you look in the background you can see the icons and stuff and it's the same swirly sort of thing which is cool and then when you finish an area it populates this museum section with all the artifacts that you found uh it's so cool like beyond just um beyond just showing you how the controller works it's a fun game it's kind of done as a 3d mario platformer type thing uh, but with all these little controller things in it. And then the thing I love, Dan, you mo- I'm sure you've noticed this, is that as you walk around the area, because you're this little robot, you see other robots all around you. Yeah, as you move through the areas. So and, good, and they're f- And so, they're yeah. filming each other and they're reenacting classic PlayStation games. Yeah. It's crazy. The The first one I noticed was, because I'd seen them filming each other for ages and I hadn't clocked on to what they were doing. And then I saw one that was obviously like a Resident Evil mm. Thing with them like at a door and there's a zombie behind the door and then since then I noticed like an Ape Escape one, an Eco one, the Death Stranding one is hilarious, uh, it's amazing. Did you had you noticed that they were like little PlayStation game reenactments?
3: It took me a while. I was Like why is this dude filming with a camera? I don't think I got the first <laughs> yeah. reference because the PS4 was the first PlayStation I had. And then I was like, oh, right, that's Joel and Nelly from The Last of Us. And then like, oh. I, I want to replay now and go through it and find all these people. <sighs> And it it's just it is like you said it's like a it's like a love letter to PlayStation, but also a library of all of the amazing things they've released. Have you played the CPU level, the the green one, like the like the woodland? No, kind of level? no, Listen I've done the... That, the. Oh, song I will. For that okay. is about how CPUs work, and it talks about you can go to a hidden section. It's got the lyrics, and it talks about like teraflops and stuff like that. It's oh, really that's funny.
2: That's brilliant. I love it. No, I've done the CP... I've done the cooling one, cooling springs for the fan and now I'm doing the... Because I'd initially... I played like 45 minutes of it and I was didn't quite... I hadn't realised that it was a PlayStation museum and I thought it was just like a little... And I was like, oh, this is okay. And then I got up this morning and played another hour of it just before we recorded and that's when I realised all of this and I was like, oh my God, yeah, right. this is the best. So now I'm in the uh, the one themed after the PlayStation 1. It's like the memory meadow with the clouds. Oh, cool. I've done that. Oh, uh, it's a good one. It's a good one. Um. Okay, brilliant. So that's Astro's Playroom. We also, we both have Demon's Souls, uh, the remake of the original Demon's Souls, which then became Dark Souls and all of those games. Have you played much of that?
3: I have, yeah. I think I've played about 20 hours <laughs> or something so far or something ridiculous.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um. That game is the only one that's currently only available on PS5. It's like the proper graphical kind of showcase for what it can do. I it looks amazing.
3: Oh, it's so. And scary. you've
2: got yeah. You've got a better TV than me, so I think you've probably seen um the high HDR lighting and all that stuff better than I have, but I, from my perspective it, it looks crazy good. Um and it's pretty difficult.
3: Yeah, it's it's not easy, but it's it's No. I, I, did you play it before when it came out for PS3? Yeah,
2: I, so I didn't play it when it came out for PS3, but I felt, I played Dark Souls and then went back and played Demon's Souls.
3: Oh, nice. It is awesome. It is so good. And the remake, like what um, Bluepoint Games did, just I never played the first one, like I said, but it sounds like they were so true to the original because like, fans of Demon's Souls and Bloodborne can be quite particular because the games are just so yeah. difficult. And they kept in the cadence of like how the character moves and animates, and you know the frames for the attacks, but added all these new animations while keeping with the old one. It's just amazing what they did.
2: Yeah, it's cool because in the past, all the swords would have the same set of animations, Mm. but now they've given the each sword has its own unique animations, but the timing is the same. Is the difference so brutal? It's cool. Yeah, and I think a lot of the AI that controls the enemies is is the same exact code. I think they said they've reused a lot of code and then just built new graphics on top of it um, to make it, you know, look amazing. Um, I have. Have you defeated the Tower Knight yet?
3: The guy with the big shield. Yeah, got him. Yeah, first oh, time, baby. That... First time. First time. Oh, baby. that took me. That took me a few goes. <laughs> I was rusty. I, was like, I just kept running away from the guy. But Alex, these games, right? Just to give you some background. Um, George asked me to play Bloodborne, which I'm sure we'll be talking about later on. Maybe we won't. I don't know. And it's we'll have to wait and see. You just one the enemy hits you once and you die, and then you wait for a loading screen, and then you have to backtrack like two minutes, and then the enemy mm. hits you again and you die. And the enjoyment for me is getting over that obstacle. And now that the PlayStation has that solid state drive, which takes like nothing to load, it's not as painful because you can die five seconds later, you're back in the fight. But yeah, yeah, it's hard. It's so hard. Like After that boss, the Tower Knight, the um, Flame Lurker, whatever he's called, is really hard. And the, the Man oh, Eater. He... Remember the dude with the, the serpent? He's like a bear serpent dude. He's like tails of snake.
2: Oh, that rings a bell, yeah. You're definitely further than me. Uh, I'm currently in the the, gray, the digging area, the mines. Oh, I'm trying to get through that bit.
3: Guys with the pickaxes, on. I hate them. I hate them.
2: Um, so what else? So Assassin, have, have you played much Valhalla yet? Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've
3: played an embarrassing amount of Valhalla, <laughs> and it's the same game as Odyssey, just the Vikings. Which it's they've done a great job or whatever, but you know it's an Assassin's Creed game. I don't want to like criticize it. It's it's a fun game, but it's just super so yeah. beautiful, like what they do in the environment. But they made the last two games. One was in uh, Egypt, and one was in um, Greece, right? Yeah. And they yeah. get proper historians to go through the game. So you can play the game with a historian commentating Or oh, this pyramid was this, or this Greek god believed in this. And they're going to do that with this one um, for England and the Viking invasion. And it's just like, you can tell they really care about the environment. It's just so beautiful to play. And the exploration is is so much mm. fun. Oh, it's, it's yeah. brilliant. It's really good. Have you played a lot?
2: I've played some, but not loads. Um, Because, I mean, you've had yours about a week longer than me, so I've not had as much time to dig into the games and stuff. But I have a question. How much Norway do I have to go through before I get to England? Not too much. Not too much. Okay, good. You'll be in Norwich any
3: time soon.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I can't wait. So, Dan, let's move on from the PS5 for now. And Mm -hmm. is there anything else that you'd like to talk about? Any films, movies, books,
3: music? Culture catch-up time. Culture catch-up time um i don't know when you guys last recorded but to be honest my my mind is so ps5 the only thing i wanted to talk about was i've recently (laughs) been listening to audiobooks in between your podcasts
1: because
3: i I have a bit of a morning routine where i go for a walk and i'm on book seven of the witcher series which is called the tower Ah. of the swallow some people might think it's a different book mm-hmm. than, depending how it's ordered, but it should be book six. Or book six <laughs> right. right, and it's That's by yeah. Andrzej Spas- Spaskanowski He's a Polish dude, and his name's very hard to spell. It's got lots of consonants, um, but it's it's great. It's it's uh, the books are really good. I feel like this this book's kind of it's about a witcher basically called Geralt, who his job is but to go before to, you say.
2: I love how you said it's about a witcher as if that was like saying it's about a vampire. Yeah. Yeah, It's like just a known quantity. It's
0: like, what the hell is a witcher? Oh, I could talk about it. So (laughs) so it's about
1: a guy,
3: his name's Geralt. And as a young man, he was, I think he was an orphan or he was was put aside. It's revealed in the books. And he gets taken in by this school, which is a witcher school. And basically what they do, they talk to children with these genetic modifications, these potions and stuff. Um, And then, uh, if they survive, they become witches. And their job, they're basically a hired mercenary just for killing monsters. And um, the book is kind of about him and him finding his humanity and how he's treated. But the themes are just like, so some of the themes are really dark, um, but the characters are amazing. They're so well written. They're so likable. There's some really, really strong female characters, which are just Just brilliant. It makes me smile and want to laugh just thinking about some of the stuff they do. But this seventh book is like there's a lot of storytelling in it where it's like person A is saying, Oh, this is what happened in the book. And then like within that story, another person is telling a story, so it gets a bit exaggerated and a bit long. Um Mm. but no, the, the books are great for any fantasy fans. I'd recommend checking them out, either audiobook or or reading them. The audiobook is narrated by a guy called Peter Kenny, and he is amazing. He puts on all these different voices. It feels like you're listening to 20 different characters. It's um, it's really good. I, I'd recommend it. But that's, that's nice. pretty much my call to catch up. That, PS5, and if bit of It's Always Sunny. Ah, oh, nice. Good choice. Good shout.
2: Uh, oh, actually, I, well, no, let's move on quickly. But I, I got Apple TV on my PS5 and watched the first two episodes of Mythic Quest, Raven's Banquet, um created by rob mckellany from it's always sunny have you seen any of that dan no sounds great what it's about it like? uh it what well, set in a it's set it's like a workplace comedy but set in a video game developer studio who've made an mmo called mythic quest
1: oh i have heard and, of this yeah
2: yeah it's i kind of assumed it wouldn't be very good i've really enjoyed the first two episodes it's made me laugh a lot really really funny uh and like knows its games pretty well Um, Although it's quite it's quite funny that they've obviously partnered up with Ubisoft because whenever it shows the game, it shows like footage from a different Uh. Ubisoft game like (laughs) Assassin's Creed or For Honor. Mm. But whenever as part of the plot of the episode, they have to show a very specific thing happening in the game. Like the first episode is about a shovel and they have to show characters using this shovel. It suddenly looks like a PlayStation 1 game because they have obviously had to specifically create a little bit for the (laughs) for the show and they haven't had the budget to do it you know as it as it would look in assassin's creed or something and it just suddenly looks really bad it's quite fun. it's not it's not a criticism of the show but it's quite funny the way occasionally they'll show a specific thing and it'll look like a totally different <laughs> like console generation um but no i'd recommend it mythic quest raven's banquet seems really good rob is very funny in it you've got danny poody from Co- uh, Communities in it alex
0: oh he's
2: great yep oh um, is he yep oh i miss him uh, ashley birch is in it dan who Plays Aloy in Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, uh, She's okay. in it, playing a games tester. It's a cool show. I'd recommend it. Yeah, I'd recommend it. It's good. Oh, F. Murray Abraham is in it. Alex, who is cool. in uh, some Wes Anderson movies. He was in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, yeah, oh, good times. <laughs> good good times all around there. If you
0: put, like, fast forward button on George. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: so, right. Uh, shall we move to our top five? So... I'm so excited. Let's do it.
0: I am ready boys
2: I don't know if we've mentioned We should do a quick Programming note A quick programming note um, We're not doing Homework this week uh, Because there won't be Any homework no. Off the back of this episode So we'll, we will talk about The book homework Next episode So be prepared yeah. For that yeah. Although just to tease Alex I have read and finished The book she assigned me
0: Have you? I have
2: ah! But I'm not telling you Anything about
1: it
0: Five, four, three, two, one. Our top 5
2: This week we're doing top five video games. Dan and I have a list, and Alex is going to contribute uh, as and when it's appropriate, which is exciting. <laughs> uh, can I ask
0: a question before we start? Y- yes. Okay, so um in, your, in, in all of your most of your choices, there is also there's a two, a three, a four, a one, and whatever.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, does that mean you've played all the games?
2: Uh no, not necessarily. In fact, not okay. not in the case of my number five, not in the case of my number four, yes in the case of my number three, yes in the case of my number two.
0: Okay, so you don't necessarily have to pay play all games to enjoy a game?
2: No. No. Okay. So my number five uh mm. was released in the EU in twenty thirteen for the PlayStation Vita, and that's a You're not going to hear people discussing the PlayStation Vita very often. (laughs) Although I do own a lime green one that was only available in Japan that I'm pretty proud of. Um, (laughs) And for years was actually only available on the PlayStation Vita but has recently been re-released on Steam for PC, which is exciting. More people have an opportunity to play this game. It is the Mm. masterpiece 10 out of 10 perfect best JRPG ever Persona 4 Golden. Let me tell you a little history lesson of my life when we moved to Japan. Uh, When we first moved to Japan, I was determined not to buy a TV and I didn't bring any games consoles or anything with me. And then, you know, before uh, we made good friends, me and Alex and then Dan as well, uh, I kind of didn't have a whole lot to do in the evenings. So I bought a PS Vita and I bought Persona 4 Golden And then every single day when I got home from work, I would spend about three or four hours playing through Persona 4 Golden. So, like, my initial few months in Japan is very much linked with playing through this perfect video game. And it's just the most wonderful memory. Uh, Have you played it, Dan? Do you know anything about it?
3: I've only played Persona 5. Yeah, I haven't played 4.
2: I like 5, but I've never finished it. It's never grabbed me enough to get all the way through it. Because, I mean, it's a... We're talking hundreds of hours to really commit to a Persona game. They are big, big games, like well well over 150 hours for me to get through Persona 4 uh, on my first run. Persona 4 was initially released on, on PlayStation 2, but Persona 4 Golden on PS Vita added in like new characters and new, new events and new storylines, so it's definitely very much the definitive version of the game. Um, you play as a Japanese high school student, who is sent from Tokyo to live in a small Inaka village in the countryside of Japan where a murder occurs quite early on and you and your high school friends have to solve the murder and find out what's going on. The wonderful thing about it is that it mixes sort of a dating sim type social sim thing where every day you're talking to your friends and improving your social life and your social bonds with people. And then the stronger those friendships are, the stronger those characters are for you when you take them into the uh, kind of other dimension where the monsters are to fight. And it mixes, it it connects the two different types of gameplay so well and so perfectly. And I just love it. Alex, what was your take on it? Have you, what did you watch? <laughs>
0: Um I watched the video that you sent me and I this is probably one of the games that I could possibly probably play. Okay. Um it looks really interesting and you know I like my slices of life and I like my real mm. things and I yeah. think I think this looks really uh really good. I think I would waste my time doing mundane things most of the times like go and eat some ramen or uh just chat with my friends uh instead of trying to find the murderer but i i i like it and i like the fact that um it just uses different mediums like there's a manga there's a, a anime mm-hmm. there are uh there's different ways to consume persona 4 it's not just um the uh the game yep. and mm-hmm. yeah i could i i could easily that's one of the games probably that i could easily spend hours on although i'm not a gamer i could easily spend hours on that and i know because when you said that (laughs) i could get it on um steam i was like no (laughs) just because i can see myself one of those games i can see myself playing you would you
2: i think you would definitely like this game yeah and like the the nostalgia i cannot spend
0: 60 billion hours like you guys do playing a video game i just i'm just but i it looks amazing it looks really cool and I would enjoy it also because it's just very Japanese, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and also it's very much, it feels like the place we lived in Japan a bit. Like Persona yeah. 5 that came out later is set in Tokyo and that's like a nice setting, but something about the country, r- rural setting of um, of Persona 4 really really grabs me and just really reminds me of, of my time in Japan. And also, I don't know if it came through in the mm. videos, but the, the design of the game, like the design of the menus and stuff is so stylish Mm. like it's style over substance but in a way that really works like they're they're just beautiful to look at and Mm. and move through uh yellow is the color of the game very much and then the music is i mean if the music is a beyond wonderful it's so good um so yeah that's persona 4 golden go on dan
3: does i think it might be all the persona games but in persona 5 you have to like look at each month in your calendar and it's almost like a puzzle you have to Build up your NPC relationships so they're stronger once you go to a palace where you you know, you're gonna invade the thing. If you don't do it by a certain date, then it's game over and you gotta start again. Is it the same?
2: Yeah, it's very similar in Persona 4, there will always be, once uh, in Persona 4 the way it works is people disappear into the TV, and you have to go into the TV to rescue them, and if a certain number of days pass after they fall into the TV, they die, so yeah, it's very similar to Persona 5 where there's a very specific deadline to each bit of the game, but then the pressure is really on on a daily basis, because... Certain actions will move you on to the next day, and you always need to be really carefully mm. thinking about what do I need to do? What's my best thing to do? Do I go and talk to Chie or do I go and have a beef bowl? <laughs> it's so good. Or <laughs> wash my
3: clothes. Or... Yeah. Or yeah.
0: Do I go and... Pretty much our life in Japan. <laughs> yeah.
2: I... Or in Persona Just 5, it's like do I go and get some illicit <laughs> drugs from this doctor who's like this undercover who doctor you. who seduces you? Yeah, the games are. Uh... Oh, that's so
1: good.
2: Okay, so that's Persona 4 Golden, my fifth favorite game of all time. Absolutely adore it. Uh, I still have a PS Vita specifically just so that I have access to that game. There's no other reason to go near a PS Vita.
3: Um,
2: Dan, what's your number five?
3: So before I talk about my number five, I just wanted to say I have not related to you guys talking about how hard it is to make like to to get your top five of whichever category is so much up until this it is so (laughs) difficult and i ummed and ard and i thought oh should i put in like more indie games or should i do games that are more true true to what Mm -hmm. i like and it's it's such an evolving list so it was a hard list like yeah but it was it was it was fun to go over and this game i was going to swap out with a game called braid i was going to make that my fifth but i didn't
2: really wow i
3: didn't after um reading about it and mm. doing my research so okay. my number five is a game called bioshock wow it okay was, okay it was released uh in what some say the golden year of video games 2007 portal mm-hmm. was released then okay. another game on my list was released then um and uh yeah it was released in august 2007 uh by irrational games or they were 2k games at the time and it uh, came out on PC, Xbox 360, and PS3, and I absolutely love it. it uh, exp- you, you The game explores um, a utopian society that's turned into a dystopia mm. because of the greed of its inhabitants, and it has really, really strong characters and really, really strong themes, but it builds all those themes... Just, just from you going through the game, like I remember, like there was a lot of hype about it when it came out, and it starts off. You're on this plane, and you're sitting in a chair, and then the plane crashes, and you, you're in the ocean, and there's lots of flames and fire and everything, and you swim to this lighthouse, and then you're in this lighthouse, and you go into this thing called a bathysphere, which is like a, like a, an elevator that takes you underwater, basically, and um, mm. and it just draws you in, and it sounds strange to say oh, it's about humans' greed, it's about capitalism, it's about rich first, poor when it's set in an underwater city. But it just works. Mm. It just works. Mm. Um, did you watch mm. the video I sent through for that one, Alex?
0: Yes, yes, I did. I did. Uh, I thought, well, first of all, I read all your comments. So you, you, you sent me a little thing, which I thought was really interesting to know exactly how you felt about it. And I thought, oh, that looks like a really interesting game. Then I watched the trailer and the trailer is like, really confusing though <laughs> yeah. what the hell is happening That's... <laughs> i was like what it's... but then shout out to the girlfriend review oh she's on brilliant youtube and i watched the video and i was like i kind of want to play this game <laughs> i just looks it looks amazing oh. it looks uh just really interesting like a really interesting concept and well uh, i don't know I, I thought i thought it was I don't know, you kinda of, it kinda of made me want to play it. Especially like you, you you're so you kind of sold the games to me, uh, with your little um why you chose them. And I was like, Oh, interesting. And I thought, yeah, girlfriend reviews definitely sold it to me more. Oh. Uh, and it looks good, but really hard to do though, doesn't it? It's is it not hard?
3: It's it, it it's got a it's got a little bit of difficulty. It's not like hard like Demon Souls you we were talking about earlier. But I'm glad those mm. little write ups helped because I was like I watched a trailer for one of the games and I was, well, this is a two minute long trailer and I've spent so many hours in this game and mm. it doesn't give <laughs> any of the feelings yeah. that the, the game yeah. evokes. And um, yeah, Bioshock for me was mm. just a first person shooter, which absolutely elevated what they could be mm. and blended in art and video games. Like it combines like being a first person shooter where it's got really fun combat And you've got this, like... It's called plasmids. It's kind of like your left hand shoots magic. or It's not magic, but this genetic modification. Mm. So the combat's fun. You've got, like, a one-two punch you can use with your left and right hand, and your trigger controls each one. But it's also got survival horror elements, where you're sometimes being hunted by these things called big daddies, which are people Mm. who are (laughs) sealed inside this old-school diver suit, and they've got a drill for an arm, and they'll just drill right through you. But then there's, like, a bit of (laughs) RPG and levelling up in there, and stealth, too. It's... Yeah, oh, it's so good, and it's linked around this morality too. You, as the player, get to decide to to a, a certain extent, not a great extent, what you do, and mm. yeah, it's. I just have such fond memories of it. It's it all it all just comes together. That's kind of a theme yeah. for my list. It all comes together as one like atmospheric package.
2: Mm. What yeah. do you
3: think George, you played it right.
2: Well, Alex, Alex very much summed it up with like, "What the hell is going on?" I think is like <laughs> the whole game. You're just like, "What the hell is going on?" It's <laughs> such, it's such a uniquely. I think that's what made it so great at the time was that the, there just had never been a game like that exploring those <laughs> themes. Um, I guess Anne Rand is it? Is that the one where Anne Anne Rand is a big touchstone, like her philosophy, um, which I don't know much about, but I know that people have talked about that being quite important. Uh, to the Bioshock universe and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, no, I really love Bioshock. It's not on my list. Cool. Okay, good stuff.
3: Just one last thing about Bioshock. Go, hit me. I think some games do really poorly is that the majority of the story is told by these little audio tapes you get. And Mm. some games you have to go and collect them and then if you press start or you you, you move through the world, like, they, they stop playing and you don't really want to listen to them because it's just so much boring, like, just waffle but yeah. Bioshock everything that they added to the game added to the immersion and really it served a purpose it wasn't just there so half of or a tenth of the audience will look at that and then write a Wikipedia page about it it was it was there because it, you felt involved.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And, uh, like, Bioshock wasn't the first game to do those audio diary things, but it was definitely, like, after Bioshock did that, every game was doing it for years, and it became, like, some games do it so badly, um, where you clearly, like... Mm. The marketing team or something have said games are more successful if they have audio diaries, so you need to make a load of audio diaries for this game. And even the, the people will be like, "But it doesn't make sense." So yeah, no, Bioshock does it really well. Although again, why why are people in Rapture carrying around tape recorders and then just leaving them lying around? It doesn't totally.
3: It's a huge arrogance. Okay. That's that's what they're they want to record because they made the city of the best people in the world, right? To bring them underwater. Yeah, no, very true. utopian society, and they want to record it, and create their own history.
2: Maybe. Yeah.
3: Cool, cool.
2: Well, I hope they bring Bioshock back at oh, some no. point and we get some more games uh, following those themes because it was cool. Right, my number four then. <sighs> Oof. Yeah. My number four is a game that I'm pretty much certain is going to be on your list as well, Dan, so you can let me know if it's true. Uh, but it's, 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 it's linked in with a book series you were talking about earlier. My favourite game, uh, my four favourite game of all time was released in 2015 for the Xbox 360. No, the Xbox One.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, PC. It is the masterpiece, The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt.
3: This is also on my list.
2: I thought it (laughs) might be. It
0: is. Um, I was very excited when I saw both of them.
2: uh, It's, I mean, you've already explained, you play as Geralt of Rivia, uh, this is the third game in the series based on the books by uh the Polish author whose name you you said earlier, and I have not oh, I played the Witch.
0: Say it, George. Say it. I can't say his it's, name. It's
2: Andres Andrzej Sulowski, <laughs> something like that, is it? Sap, sap count, sap account, sapowski. sapowski, Um, yeah. Sorry. I, I mean, he's a very he's a, he's an amazing author. Um write these great books so i haven't played the witcher 1 or the witcher 2 i just played the witcher 3 because it was kind of being talked about as a huge game when it came out and it was very much it was such a the experience of playing it was so good because i got like i was playing it and i got about 15 hours in and i was like this is all right i don't and it was it wasn't until literally it was probably about 60 hours in that i suddenly realized i was Playing one of the best games i'd ever played like it was it was it was this crazy thing of it just builds and builds and builds and the story is told so effectively that it just got eventually i was like oh oh this is my favorite game oh okay i love this game suddenly i just suddenly realized it. it it's glorious um you know the gameplay is very much you know exploring this massive open world going around these different villages, taking on contracts to kill monsters. You've got two swords. Your steel sword is for humans and your silver sword is for monsters. You can take potions to improve your various different stats and things like that. And you're finding gear to level up. And the thing I love about it the most is the writing. I think the writing in this Mm. game is hilarious. It's really witty. The character of Geralt is like, you know, witches are meant to have no emotion. So he's very like dry, but he's really, really like, in his dryness, is so much humor. And then some of the situations they put him in throughout the game are not the situations you would ordinarily find a character like that in. And it's just funny. The juxtaposition of that is really funny. The supporting cast is really good. You know, like Siri, for example, like the game is kind of built around him looking for his sort of not daughter, but kind of adopted daughter uh, who's called Siri, but not Siri like the Apple uh, assistant. And um she's a really great character. Like you occasionally like jump to her and place her for a bit and see her story and she's a really strong character and it's just glorious. Dan, what do you think?
3: Yeah, it is glorious. It's a great, great way to describe it. I I completely agree with what George said. Uh, and more like um it has one of the things I love about the game is the choice it gives you. And a few mates have played it, and they've been like twenty hours in, and they've got past like the tutorial, which is absolutely massive—least at least ten hours. It's, yeah. it's quite a complex game, like in 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 its functions. Yeah. Um, and then they've they've chosen this this story path where they didn't get the girl or someone dies, and they've just restarted the game. So because th- that's how much <laughs> the characters leave an impression on on people, they they'd rather spend twenty hours more of their time to to see where that character takes them. My favourite thing about The Witcher... Alex is... looks like she's
2: about to have a panic attack.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will tell you my thoughts in a second. Okay.
3: <laughs> my favourite thing Sorry, about I get The uh, that um, Like George said, it like you, when you're playing it, you realise that this is amazing and it's kind of set a new... It's like genre-defining for an open-world RPG... Like any RPG, open world game that came after it is likely to have copied some of the features. Assassin's Creed borrows heavily from it or is inspired heavily from it, um, which is great. But yeah, my favourite thing is the quests. The quests are actually fun. It's not like you go to an NPC who's boring, who has the same voice actor as maybe 20 other people in the game and says, go to A and bring me back this thing and and then go to B and then come back to me. It is incredible and that's because they had a dedicated quest team there was a guy Mm. i think his name is philip webber and his job was basically the quest designer and what they would do Mm. for every single quest whether it was like made story or whatever they would think of an idea and a theme whether it was redemption or forgiveness or deceit or something like that and then he'd he'd bring it to the team and then they'd write it and then they bring that to the software Mm. team and they'd make it and
0: okay.
3: that's how they didn't have the continuous boring kind of thing that so many of these massive open world games have. That they just it just mm. gets a bit tiring. Yeah, well, where you go to
2: a new just... town and everyone just wants you to find five five blue flowers because my blue flower recipe is missing five blue flowers. So please go and get five blue flowers. Exactly. It's the yeah. it's like the only game of that kind ever where the side quests are. As good or even better in a lot of cases than the main quest line.
3: It's impressive. Mm. It's so true. Yeah. What did you think, mm. Alex, when you looked it up?
0: Well, <laughs> I was—I was just thinking. George said, "Oh, after 68 hours, I realised that this was an incredible game." It's like that's a little bit like Stockholm syndrome, isn't it? Just like, oh yeah, I love this game. <laughs> like you've played it for sixty hours. Yeah. It's a long time. Um. Well, like I read, I read Dan's and Dan. You like ah, I just love it. I said a new framework for open world. You you were so enthusiastic enthusiastic about it, and it looks amazing. Yeah, it looks amazing. Uh. Uh, it just, it just feels like you're just wasting a lot of time doing other things. Do you not get bored of the side quests? It just always seems like you're talking to someone. No, because
2: each, si- each side, each <laughs> side quest is like a short story. Like you don't get That's... bored of short stories, yeah. do you? Like each side quest is yeah. its own contained. That's what makes it so good. Is that you suddenly are in this world of this character's little world, and it's so compelling okay. to get to the end of their little story. That's kind of what makes the game so good, yeah. and you can play it for so many hours, is because you're constantly getting these new little stories and you're getting conclusions mm. to them as well. So you're just mm. constantly getting yeah. these little bursts of like, oh, that was really engaging and endearing. And then you go and find somebody else and they want you to find their goat. And mm. like, I always remember the side I quest, guess. Dan, do you remember where you have to go and get a goat for somebody and like lead it back to their yeah. little thing? It's just so good. Oh, like there's a woman whose frying pan has been stolen. Well, uh, yeah, yeah oh, the, on, the frying pan.
0: pan. I <laughs> saw that in about three different videos, oh, yeah. the frying <laughs> yeah, pan. people love the <laughs> <frying> <laughs> quest of, pan. of the frying pan. It's and then she says is is this my fry, frying pan <laughs> yes it is
3: and can't you choose to like hit her with the frying pan or throw the uh, frying, frying pan away possibly, and it's just like, possibly yeah you've got all these options yeah.
0: but also in the girlfriend reviews she talks about a card game is it a card Gwent. game do they play cards yeah. in it? Gwent. I didn't really understand that
2: <laughs> so every so there's a there's a card game within the world of the Witcher 3 called Gwent and basically ah. every character you talk to you can challenge them to a game of Gwent and there's a whole set okay. of stories around that as well. I don't really... Final Fantasy games are famous for having card games in them as well. And I've never mm, really... Yeah. I've never engaged with a card game in, a, in an RPG. And this continues to be the case. I've, I didn't really
3: like Gwent. Uh, okay. Yeah. Dan, have you done Gwent? Cool.
2: Have you Gwent?
1: I've done a bit of
3: Gwent. And I played it for a bit. And I, and I was... It was more fun okay. going to the side See? quests and having that kind of story, standalone yeah. story with these multifaceted characters last yeah. for an hour or half mm. an hour than than playing Gwent, but a friend played it and he's like, I can't do the main quest. I'm too addicted to Gwent.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: that is it's another it. cool <laughs> thing about the game is like, it, like if you like if you're Alex and you just want to see the main story, you can just go through the main story. If you really like exploring mm. the world, you can go and do the side quests and learn more about the world. And if you like mm. strategy games, you can just play Gwent. It like <laughs> it, it it lets you do whatever you want, whatever you will enjoy the most. You can just follow that. It's a it's pretty
3: impressive. And for for a game that had such a massive scope, it only took three and a half years to make, which sounds like a long time. But some of these other games on the list mm. have been in development seven years at least. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not as big. And it's were, not on my were list. Like but people. But
2: yeah, it's not on my list. But Final Fantasy fifteen famously took a decade to make. So wow. three and a half. Wow. Yeah, three and a half years for for The Witcher
3: three is is amazing.
2: Actually, what they
3: did. Definitely. You
2: touched on it <clears> earlier
0: as
3: well, George. You talked about like the alchemy or like taking potions because, like, mm. a witcher, their job is to go and hunt creatures or whatever. Part of the game has a beastery. so if you if you know you're going to go and kill, I don't know this creature, you can look it up in the beastery and it will tell you what potion you need to take, tell you some lore about the ant, mm. like the creature, or whatever. It will tell you what blade works best, and this that, and the other, and what and oil to put on that. your blade as well, what right? Oil, yeah, yeah, yeah. oils. <laughs> And it just added so much to the world, and it's completely optional. Yeah. You don't have to read it, but if you did, you felt more connected, and you were you you, you were in a better position when you went into the fight. Yeah. Oh, it's
2: so good. So, Ale- <laughs> uh Dan, what's your number four?
3: My number four has a three in it, uh, but
2: it's not uh, the Witcher
3: three. Uh, it's uh. it's Halo three.
2: No. Go yeah. get on your warthog and drive home.
3: Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah this this was a this is just pure nostalgia pick. It was released in two thousand seven, uh, yeah, by a studio called Bungie, um, Bungie. At, on the Xbox, three hundred and sixty. Yeah, great names. not enough X's in that name. <laughs> uh, I remember. I had an Xbox 1 like the big the big box or the black one yeah. um, and I played Halo 2 a lot and I played it online yeah. a lot yeah and then I remember Halo 3 being announced and it was it was one of the biggest it was the biggest release of any video game up oh. until that point at that time they spent 40 it was million huge on their marketing campaign mm. yeah and I remember I, I ditched school I was in sixth form and I waited for the postie to come and he gave me the game I got it a day before release too. I got it on the 24th. And I was like, yeah, I got it a day before my release. Oh, I'm so lucky. And then <laughs> he like walked by my place and the window's open. And I just remember being like, oh my God, I'm going to play Halo. Oh, I'm so hyped. And he must have heard. Like, it was like right next to the door. i always remember that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, basically it's a first person shooter and you play as John117 or Master Chief as he's as he's called. He's a genetically modified super soldier who just likes to smash some aliens. Like, it's not on my list because <laughs> of the story, because the story, it's... I, I'm sure other people love it, but for me, I just find it a bit convoluted and a bit confusing. Um, that is it, an, That is like an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this is not a good solid. <laughs> like... Um, Mm. What I do love it for though is the gameplay and I think it's I've played all the Halos I think they're up to number 5 now
1: um, yeah. but
3: I think Halo 3 and I, when I was researching it I saw some other similar opinions like I feel like it's the it's the best the gameplay's ever been in Halo um, and mm. it's just so tight like to to match the controls with the game physics and how your character moves in the game is, is just brilliant but uh, the nostalgia for me is firing it up playing on Xbox live and playing with my friends and just loving it and, and everything it it did. Like when I was writing my notes, I was like, I don't know how much I have to say that. I just played it online a lot and it was fun, but I wrote a page. and <laughs> I realized some of the stuff it did like genre defining it. It uh, was one of the first games to bring in a theater mode. So you and your friends could play if you got these awesome kills if you're in the, in the lobby or in the game room with people. All everyone in the lobby could go into your theater lobby and you could watch that back together, or you could just upload it to the computer and share it. Yeah, uh, you could follow every game you played mm. online and you could look at top down bird's eye view maps of the level for death mm. maps and death heat maps and for kill heat maps. Your accuracy with each, each like gun. I just thought it was just. They went so extra on, on the multiplayer and it really worked. And, was Halo uh, 3 the game where they introduced the Forge? Yes, the Forge, the map making the Forge. And that was where you could basically take any of the maps and just make it your own and then have custom games in it and it was for what it was like the multiplayer was just almost in my opinion perfect and I just I remember firing up that game and hearing the the soundtrack and for me, the soundtrack by Marty O'Donnell, who's just an absolute genius, is one of the greatest game soundtracks in existence. And it's yeah. up there with like themes like the Star Wars theme. It's so iconic. It is just brilliant. Um, and I love Halo 3 and playing it online. It's the only reason I own an Xbox One now for the Master Chief Collection. Have you, have you played it, Alex? George, have you guys played it?
2: <laughs> I... So I did you get the special edition of it with the helmet? I
3: didn't get that because it wouldn't fit uh, my head. It was like a, like too small, right? It was like a cat <laughs> helmet. Yeah, right? It. it
2: was a helmet for cats. I, I So yeah, like I played, what did I play? So Halo 2 came out when I was in sixth form and I got an Xbox then and played Halo 2 and went back and played Halo 1 and loved them and then was obsessed. And yeah, I was so excited when Halo 3 came out and I got the cat helmet with it and i don't like like first person shooters aren't my favorite genre of video games especially nowadays and i don't like playing online very much because i don't like losing so i prefer to play against the computer when i know i can win like the, the the kind of gameplay loop of playing at halo online where i run out somebody shoots me and kills me and i just respawn run out again get killed and it just for me i have never enjoyed that but I was definitely at the time all in on the story of Halo, which now I couldn't even begin to tell you what it is. But yeah, Master Chief, I thought Master Chief was the coolest. And yeah, I remember playing Halo 3 and absolutely loving it. But then like Halo ODST and Halo The Fall of Reach and Halo 4 and Halo 5. And now my my appreciation for Halo has like dropped quite a bit, but... Earlier this year in lockdown, I did build a gaming PC, and then with my brother, played co-op all the way through Halo One and the Master Chief Collection, and then all the way through Halo Two, and now we're up to Halo Three. And uh, I'm I'm really loving going back, and I'm really enjoying going back and seeing it again, and I'm really excited to play through Halo Three again because it's a it is a classic. It's a really good campaign. Um, yeah. So yeah. yeah, Alex, what did you make of it when you watched the videos about it? Because it must look mad. <laughs>
0: Well, uh, the the thing is the Halo is the only one yeah. that I have watched people play. Okay. So because I think it was so big uh that I I it just I just like oh yeah this is Halo and the 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 marketing campaign was so big everybody played Halo mm. at some point in time mm. and I've watched people play Halo and so it was like, oh, yeah, it's a classic. I know Halo. I know what they're doing. They're trying to kill people. And you're. I think I've played it as well. But I'm, I, I'm one of those people's, people that goes, shoots, and then gets shot, and then gets shot again. I, I'm, oh, like I'm me. just really, um, yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. Um, and I get scared. And I tend to spend the time behind a barrel or something. Um, so, yeah, no, Halo. Halo is Halo. It's, uh, it's a classic.
3: I think it's brilliant. And it, yeah. it's funny because I don't play any competitive multiplayer games and i rarely play first person shooters now two of the games have mm. been fps's but i just it, it did <laughs> yeah. it did what it did so well and it's kind of like the witcher yeah. in a way where it first person shooters existed way before halo of course mm. but the features like yeah. forge mode the Theater Mode, they all do it mm. now like yeah yeah, I think
0: I think they were a pi- Halo was kind of pioneer of something because if I know it, that means there must have been something different oh, and yeah. successful. It was it was like the biggest, yeah, it was so the biggest that, entertainment
2: a... launch in history. I think Halo Three. It was it was yeah. huge. So
0: and well,
2: that was when yeah. that was right around the time that Peter Jackson was going to make a film and all of this stuff, mm. which that never happened. Uh, but yeah, he made <laughs> it's the it's Hobbit f- movies and stuff. Well,
0: what would you make a film of?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, there is a story.
0: It it's loved. just mad. It's just totally bonkers. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah.
3: to adapt it.
0: So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, You know the yeah. guy
3: that directed uh, District 9, Neil Blomkamp? I think? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He did a short film, didn't he? He did a short film and some of the marketing, I was watching it back earlier, it's absolute genius. They have this like real world actors um, who who play as vets. This isn't Neil Blomkamp's movie, this is just like a, a separate ad. Yeah. And it's like you're watching a documentary for of veterans, just interviewing them after a war but they're talking about the events Mm. of the game. Um, And it's just amazing. They've got like battle scars and stuff. And they're picking up like weapons in the game that haven't been revealed yet, but a live action like in this, with real people showing them and revealing these things in this advert. I just thought it's such a genius kind of Mm. advertising style. They just did such a good job with it. And it was obviously a success. Like a million people were playing online at once. In the first 24 hours it, it was released
2: um okay so that's your number f- was that your number four number four number four halo three fan dabby dozy okay so moving on my num my number three this is the one on the list that's probably my most personal game most personal like specific to what I enjoy Alex is nodding her head <laughs> um this is a game, it came out in 2018 uh, for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC. I have played... I've played an unreasonable number of hours of this game uh, over... Like, pl- replaying the same bits and levels over and over and over again. I am completely obsessed with it. I love it too. I just completely adore it. And it is the video game Hitman 2. <sighs> <laughs> um uh the hitman get the hitman series has been going for years since uh, the early 2000s when it was on PC and then it went through a bunch of iterations and then the developer IO interactive um kind of redefined what a hitman game was with a uh, hitman 1 in 2016 and then hitman 2 in 2018 um and in the games you play as agent 47 a bald assassin with a barcode on the back of his head and you're dropped into these big sandbox-esque uh, locations in which you have a target or two free targets that you have to kill, and then you are free to work out how to kill them however you want. And the joy of the recent games is that you replay the levels over and over again, finding new, different, inventive ways to uh, take out your targets and then um, uh, building upon it. And you, like, you find different bits of story out, the different ways you complete the levels, and it just kind of it's just it's just wonderful and perfect and i i just i love it i completely love it um for example there's a great like the first level of hitman and the uh, so the great thing about hitman 2 is that they if you owned hitman 1 they allowed you to import all of the stuff from hitman 1 into hitman 2 so then hitman 2 becomes both games in one package so the first level of Hitman 1 is set in Paris at a fashion show and you have to kill uh, the man that's kind of running the fashion show and then there's a secret auction going up on in the top of this big mansion and you have to kill uh, the woman that's running this auction. And like one of the ways you can do it is, there's a great way you can do it where you can sneak up to the uh, audio-visual bit, tech bit, and steal this remote that will set off fireworks. And then you can sneak up to the top balcony and set off the fireworks and the woman will go out onto the balcony to watch the fireworks and the man who you're meant to kill will come down to the bottom and watch the fireworks from the garden and they're lined up perfectly so that if you push the woman off the balcony mm-hmm. she'll land on the man below and kill them both in one like one smooth move and then you just sneak away and the um like the ultimate the thing I adore about it is when you first play that Paris level. You could never imagine doing that. Like it just feels impossible to even get near the remote control, let alone to the balcony. And the more times you, and you'll, you'll fudge it and you'll run up and shoot the guy and find the one. And you'll kind of make a mess of it. And then the more times you play it, you get smoother and smoother. So that eventually you'll be able to do it without having to change. Like you, you change into different disguises to get into different areas. But once you know the map well enough, you'll be able to sneak around in your normal suit and not be seen by anyone, and make it all look like an accident and getting and get out as if you've never been there. And like the mastery, like mastering each level to be able to do that is just the sweetest gameplay loop I have ever experienced, and I just adore it. Um, Dan,
3: I uh, I think I brought you this game. <laughs> You did. You bought it yeah. for me, and, and to, to make you it play. Over. It. Yeah. And yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. It's like I played Hitman two, Silent Assassin, and then I played the one. that was it was called a Hitman game, but it was more like an action third person shooter. Was that Absolution? Yes. Uh, that yeah, one. I really don't like that one at all. It, it definitely changes up the formula, but. Um, no, I loved it and I got to play 3Hitman 1 first, like you said, you can play them all within the game and what I love about it is, like the different routes that you've already covered, but how each level is is so detailed for the environment it's trying to portray, like there's a, hmm. a Formula 1 level um, and again it's all these different ways to kill the, the target but they make you feel you're in a, in a nice city at the Formula 1 surrounded by rich people and then in the Hitman 2, I think the first level set in New Zealand um, on a beach. yeah, yeah. Um, And you're just at this posh house um, on the beach. And to think of a destination like New Zealand in a game is is awesome. It's so unique and and they just do it really, really well. There's a level in Hokkaido, like a wellness retreat. And oh, that's great. Yeah, just I love that level. Absolutely love it. And I love how the game kind of gives you like the, the what you are saying about pushing the, the wife onto the husband. Mm there are things in the menu that let you know they give you hints on how yeah. to do them like they set you challenges and it it would say something like fooling wife or something it's a really bad description but it would yeah. tell you exactly how to do it but you could kind yeah. of guess from the clue and it it, it, yeah. it really works uh, it really works so well i've got to finish Shipman yeah. 2 properly mm-hmm. and then play the, the third okay. one when it comes out in january
2: Oh yeah, the third one's coming out in January, and they've already unveiled a level set in an English mansion in the countryside, and it's a bit like an it's like an Agatha Christie murder mystery. There's a family has come together because someone's been murdered, and then you can like impersonate the detective that's coming in to like investigate and find <laughs> out who the killer. Is. It's it looks awesome. It looks really cool. Um, but yeah, like you were just saying, then Dan, what they do is they give you uh, they're called mission stories, I think, in each level where it will lead you through a specific way of doing the murder but then and once you've done all of those then there will be extra hidden ways of doing it that it won't lead you through and you kind of have to work them out from those little hints like you said and like the, another cool thing is each time you finish a level you kind of level up that level and it will unlock like new items that you can use in that level or new bits of the level you can start in or new costumes and it kind of just adds uh, it oh, i love it i absolutely love it um alex what what did you make of it
0: It's a really interesting concept and it's cool that you can kind of like go and kill people and you're a hitman and it looks cool. What, what I was wondering, does it not get boring after a while that you just keep doing the same thing, which is just killing someone?
1: No, because... It's like, does it not
0: get like repetitive? That's because I was, you know, it, it's an interesting concept. Does it not get a little bit repetitive?
2: No, it doesn't for me because you you kind of set yourself new challenges each time and you're like right well I did it this way last time how can I improve on that and do it kind of imp- it's a bit this is a ridiculous analogy but, but it
0: is there any is there any way that you could can get caught
2: Oh yeah completely Yeah okay. so if you get caught and get seen you can go away and hide and get a new costume or that kind of thing, but the aim is always to not get seen. Okay. But yeah, no, it's it's quite difficult to get through it without being seen and without being caught. Is is the challenge? Um, mm-hmm. And it's 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 a bit like learning a musical instrument. Like when you're practicing, you're doing the same thing, but you're improving on your ability. Um,
1: yeah.
2: So you'll you'll be like, right, well, this time, can I get this costume quicker? And can I can I can I kill them this way? And will this work? And will these pieces go together properly? And another thing I haven't mentioned yet is it's it's funny. It's really, really hilarious. Like, mm. similar to The Witcher, your guy, Agent 47, is incredibly deadpan, but very funny. And, like, there's a level where you can... Um, there's just this funny thing where he's always brilliant at whatever he does. So there's a level where you have to kill kind of um, a famous rock star in a hotel, and the rock star's kind of done to be a bit of a Jared Leto-esque irritating guy. And you can you can knock out his drummer... And impersonate his drummer, and then there's a bit where you have to go and do some drumming, and he's just ama- like his Agent Forty Seven is amazing at drumming, just because that's how he fits into the world of this bit, um, and that's really funny. And like he'll like if you ever have to impersonate somebody and have a conversation with a target, it'll be full of a double entendres about like, you know, oh, I'm sure you, like if you impersonate a doctor, your target might be like, oh, I feel really sick today and uh, agent 47 will be like oh well soon you won't be feeling anything at all so don't worry like it's just oh, okay. like it's just very very good and very funny mm. and witty and stuff um so yeah but yeah so off the off what you saw of it it just looked a bit like it would be too repetitive i can see that <laughs>
1: mm. yeah. but it's
2: never felt that way uh, uh for me because it's just the, the fun of it and then like you might just mess around for a bit and be like oh if i take a shotgun in and just run around shooting everyone like how will that go and it's just mm. Yeah, it's just cool. Just cool. I like playing with Lego a little bit. Just me- just messing around with the pieces and seeing what yeah, happens. Yeah, just the same. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, exactly the same. Know,
0: trying to kill people with uh, throwing them a piece of Lego.
2: Yeah, and the really exciting thing, actually, is IO Interactive, who make Hitman games, the Hitman 3 is coming out in January, and then they announced a couple of days ago that they're working on a James Bond game. Um, and we know from previous episodes that I adore James Bond and the idea of the people who make one of my favourite games making a Bond game fills me with excitement. And I really hope that they're using the Hitman model and kind of, you know, if if it's a series of missions for James Bond to do to infiltrate some locations and stuff, that would be, that would be really cool. I'm really excited to see what they're doing. So, um, yeah, big love for Hitman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. Yeah, good times. So what's your number three, Dan?
3: My number three <laughs> is a game that was released on October 26th, 2018. Oh. It was released for the PS4, the Xbox One or the X-Bone and the PC. Yep. The PC yep. version came a bit later Yeah. and it is called Red Dead Redemption 2. <laughs> and I love it.
1: Like. <laughs>
3: I, it came out just for Halloween and I dressed up as the main dude for Halloween. God,
1: no, you didn't. Child.
3: Yes, did I you did. really? <laughs>
1: yes.
3: I didn't know you'd done that. No. <laughs> no, it was just like a, a casual work thing. But what is the game? Arthur Morgan. Arthur you know Morgan. It. You play as a bad guy and you're in a gang and it's set in the Wild West at the time where the Wild West was ending and the modern age was arriving. And it's... It's just brilliant. I think out of all the games on my list, it's number three, but it is number one in atmosphere. You mm. when they when Rockstar made the game, I, th- I think they started development. I think it was about five years or or maybe seven years they were developing mm. it for some elements. Yeah. It wanted to feel like you were exploring a living world, and their history was GTA, um, which is hugely famous and hugely popular. Um, but with with that in Red Dead, it feels like every single action that you take adds adds to the world and is there for a purpose. The story has so many incredible themes. It talks. It, it, its main theme is kind of forgiveness and redemption. It's the name, um, but it also talks <laughs> about family. It talks about greed. Um, the cast is absolutely phenomenal. It is a few episodes back you talked about the Watchmen series on HBO I feel like this game is a a kind of HBO TV series the quality is exceptional I mean all of the voice acting is amazing and so iconic Uh, they just did such a brilliant job I read earlier that so that there would be so much dialogue key actors had 2,000 page scripts and kind of like separate NPCs you just walk by have like 80 pages.
1: And it's, mm. it's just
3: ridiculous, like the kind of detail they went into. Some people feel like the the overrealism that the game makes you do. For example, it will make you there's a part in the game where you're building a fence and it will make you press the buttons to put in the post for the fence or dig the hole and then put in the posts and then you know build it. And it's a bit laborious but it's meant to feel like that. It, it it's meant to make you feel like oh, I'm doing a bit of a chore. And and it's meant to slow you down to bring you into that kind of world, and I just think it's it does it, it does it so so well. You, you explore America, um, and you explore all these different environments that America is known for, like beautiful canyons and mountains and forests um, and swamps, and there are all these unique animals that are that are that are relative to the region. Um, the music is is amazing, and the kind of the morality system it has is, is 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 quite big. It plays a huge role in like the first ending that can kind of break your heart. Um, but but yeah, I just absolutely love it. Oh, it's just brilliant. Oh.
2: Dan, Chris. defend the sequence where you go to that other country for like two
3: hours and it's rubbish. Another thing I like about the game is that <laughs> the narrative takes you on a journey, whereas like other games, you choose it. This game, yeah, you go to this like tropical island, and it's not not the best, not the. Well, I, I kind of liked it. It's not the best part of the game. It's not like exploring the Wild West, which is where the game's at its best. Yeah, but there are certain character elements that happen there. Like one character, um, he's the leader of the gang, and he's very very paranoid and he's incredibly greedy and Arthur Morgan, who's voiced by Roger Clark, is just saying, "No, man, let's just slow down a bit now. Let's, let's have a break." But he just pushed it to the extinct. So,
1: mm. I think
3: that tropical island bit that you're saying kind of veers <laughs> off from the Wild West setting, but it does it for a purpose to kind of prove how insane um, Vanderveld is. Dutch Dutch Vanderland, right? Yeah, yeah, Dutch Vanderland. Yeah.
2: But Dan, I just want to um, be a cowboy on my horse.
3: Play a
2: different game, dude. This game's oh. be a <laughs> Um It is the most immersive game I've ever played. And yeah, it's not flashy. And it like some of the stories it tells in the side quests are really kind of upsetting in a way and not, not necessarily exciting. But, but it just yeah. creates this this world that kind of really accurately shows maybe what it would have been like to live in that era where it was pretty horrible. <laughs> it wasn't a nice time yeah. to
3: live. Yeah, and his... His kind of story is heartbreaking because he's like an outlaw, right? He's yeah. not a good guy and you're, he's the protagonist for most of the game. Yeah. And but you he's not he's, he's a bad not, dude.
2: Yeah, but he's not a cruel
3: man, is he? He's not horrible. He's just surviving. He's, he's Yeah, he's just surviving. But he, he he's definitely not a good man, I think it's fair yeah, yeah, to yeah. say. He's no, that's totally cool, fair. But he robs and murders people and you kind of join in after he's done that for quite a while and become two IC yeah. to to the leader of the gang. Um and just how he gets redemption if you choose that. It's it's just it's just so well done and there are really strong emotional themes to the to the main story. But of course there are side quests and they really interlinked interlink well. I don't know how they've done it, perhaps it was at the stage I was out in the game, but there were certain themes about him, you know, forgiving himself or trying to Make amends with his ex partner or whatever, and it's just felt throughout the whole world. Yeah, I just think it's such a monumental achievement.
2: Yeah, 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 and it's such a. I mean, like two years after the game came out, there was still a huge community of people trying to find new secrets in the world of the game because there's just Mm. they've they've packed it so full of, you know, there's I think there's ghosts in there, there's Bigfoot. You can like. I feel like there's there's loads of stuff that you would never ever find unless you put you know hundreds of hours into it it's it's a it's an impressive it's an impressive piece of work um Alex what did you make of it
0: um so it looks amazing uh the scenery the scenery everything looks incredible and uh there seems to be a lot of talking <laughs> and um uh it it just feels like it's gonna it will pl- take ages to complete oh yeah how long how long did you play for Dan
3: uh, it doesn't give you an, an a time tracker if you play it on playstation Okay. but I found out okay. a way to find out how long and it was it was I think it was like 180 hours but I used to like come back from work oh my God. and just play like 5 hours yeah. hunting animals I'm like what the hell am I doing I'm spending yeah. 5 hours hunting animals but they made it fun it's like animal crossing those kind of things yeah. that was kind of boring on paper but fun to do mm. like
0: okay well, like it, it looks it looks amazing. And I think that was one of the first girlfriend reviews, um, reviews. Um this one, because she did it twice. And mm. uh, there's a lot of animal killing, which you just said. Is there is there a purpose of killing so many animals? Uh, yeah, yeah. You
2: you can upgrade your equipment, it... right? You can upgrade your equipment, ah, okay. you
3: can sell them, I guess at the time. You you meet a tanner, oh it's not it's not called a tanner, but you meet someone who who you sell uh, the, the skins to or the the coats to?
0: Ah, okay. But
3: there's a, there's a like a theme of like these legendary animals, and you have to track mm. them. There's like maybe twenty in the game or whatever. And mm. You have to go to. It doesn't tell you where they yeah. are. It's got like a, a rough region, and you actually have to track them mm. in the game. And it's it's really addictive. Um, I
2: think that was the most fun I had in the game. I think that was my favorite part was the legendary animals. Really okay. enjoyed that yeah.
3: stuff.
0: Yeah, okay. Really awesome so we're getting into our top two. I'm excited. Yes,
2: please. Um, so my number two is a game that came out this very year, 2020. Um, and it might seem a bit early to already put it in at my number two slot, but I, I can't I can't emphasize enough how much I adore and love this game. It just tore it tore me apart and I had experiences playing this game that I've never had ever in any medium. I, I, it kind of redefined what a video game can do for me, and I completely adore it. It came out on June 19th, 2020, and the game is The Last of Us Part 2.
3: I have this also. Oh, do you? It's on your list. Yeah, is this your number? What number is this for you? Number two. Yeah, it's also my number two. Ah, so
2: well, you know that's... what my number one is. <laughs> you know, Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> um. Well, that's that. good. I'm glad. So... Yeah, it's. It, I don't even know where to begin. I I guess to to begin with, it's a sequel to The Last of Us, a Naughty Dog that came uh, that came out in like twenty fourteen maybe. Did it come out sort of twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, um, which is a it's a post apocalyptic game. It starts right where this apocalypse is starting. He plays this guy's daughter, um, Joel's daughter, and something horrific happens. And it cuts to twenty years later. The world has effectively ended. Humans are living in these quarantine zones, and there is a sort of fungus virus that turns people into these living zombie mushroom people uh, that that kill people. So it's kind of a zombie game, but they're not technically zombies. And the aim of Last of Us Part 1 is that you meet this girl, Ellie, who is immune to the virus, and you have got to take her across America to some scientists that are going to try and discover why she's immune. Um, And The Last of Us came out, and people loved it and adored it, and it became one of the most popular games ever. And I always felt like it was fine, but I didn't love it. I fought The Last of Us it. Part One. Yeah, I know. I know you did definitely. I just I liked it, but there's something about the gameplay felt a bit clunky to me, and the st- I just I never quite got it in the way that other people did. So when The Last of Us Part Two was coming out, I was excited and interested to play it because I mean I enjoyed The Last of Us One, and I played for The Last of Us Part One again, the remastered version before The Last of Us Part Two came out, and I, I enjoyed it and liked it. But again, I was a bit like, this is you know it's not going to be one of my all time favorites, but it's it's a good game. Then I played for The Last of Us Part 2 and the journey I went on through that game, it it, it, it tore me down. It completely broke me. It's tough to talk about it because it's a recent game and I don't want to spoil it too much for people. But there's a sequence near the end of this game where Total, I had complete narrative breakdown in a way like the 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 person i was fighting was somebody i didn't want to fight but essentially and i didn't want to go i didn't want to carry on doing what the game was making me do and i've never felt like with a video game i've never ever had that feeling and it was it was amazing and i i completely love it uh the story of ellie is an all-time perfect story for me um why is it on your list dan
3: can we can we give spoiler warnings and talk about the spoilers
2: yeah, okay. So, I tell you what, what. What I'll do is I'll I'll work out how long this discussion lasts and I'll put in the show notes wire to skip to if you don't want to hear it because let's talk let's talk spoilers for the Last of Us Part 2 because I think we can't fully engage it unless we do that. So, so yeah, we'll we'll do that. So, Dan.
3: So, the Last of Us 1 like you said, you play as Joel for the majority of the game, but then you play as some bits as Ellie. Mm. Joel, Ellie is Joel's kind of adopted daughter. A bit like Siri, like we, we talked about earlier. Yeah, because his real his his blood daughter died, and at the start of The Last of Us Two, you uh, you play as you play as two different characters for a little bit. Uh, You play as Joel for a little bit, um, and a character called Abby who's just searching for someone, and then it develops where Abby beats Joel to death in front of Ellie, and in front of your eyes. And I stayed away from all spoilers and the toxic community around around this. Or some or some of the community that's toxic it's not all at all
2: but that's um, definitely the point where a lot of people turn on the game and it's the point where for me i was yeah. like this is i am um, wow i put that yeah i was i was into it from that point
3: and that's exactly it like it's wow when you play the first game so i replayed the um the remaster edition 2 i think it was about 15 hours just on like the main game without the dlc mm. and you play as this character and you're involved with them as a character for 15 hours, and the writing is absolutely exceptional. Um, and then you look forward to this this game and playing this, this character again for the sequel, and then he's killed straight away, mm. and you're like, "Wow, and it's so bold and yeah. brave that they did that," and it's so like heartbreaking. I was like in tears. I'm not gonna lie. Through a lot of that game, yeah, because it's like a book. You know, if you read a book and someone dies after so long of reading about them and going on their journey, it's, it's more of an attachment than if it was a movie. Yeah. Or if it was, even for me, it's the most interactive form of media and it's the most immersive form because you actively control those people and the dialogue that you, I get in the game could be different from George because of the steps that I take. Anyway, I'm, mm. I'm digressing. Um, And Abby, the character you control <laughs> a little bit,
1: <laughs> kills
3: Joel. And she, she's the one that kills Joel. So you, you play as Ellie... And you basically try and hunt Abby down. And revenge is one of the biggest themes of the game. Mm. And as the game goes on, this revenge slowly consumes Abby. And Ellie. Uh, uh, Sorry, Ellie. Sorry, Slowly consumes her and turns it into someone that by the end of the game, you don't like. Or perhaps you might not. I didn't like her. You definitely feel like you're playing as the villain by the end exactly in the first game so ellie is um this is the zombie virus right george talking about she is immune and the the whole plot the first game is to bring her to this hospital so they can make a vaccine out of her blood but it will kill her and joel doesn't want that to happen so he basically kills a surgeon who's trying to save save the world who's abby's dad um and then Escapes the hospital with her, and I remember that part in the first game. I was like, I don't want to press R one. I don't want to kill this dude. Yeah, like I don't want to do it. And I I stood in the room for ages. I was like, I am just gonna wait till this plays out. And it and it doesn't. And you, the game forces you into these really hard decisions. Yeah. And the second game does it more so. Yeah, I mean, crucially
2: Um, in the first game when that happens, the game ends with you with Ellie not actually knowing. That Joel did that. Joel tell, lies to her and yeah. tells her that they couldn't do anything and that it wasn't going to work, and that he takes her away. He's actually massacred everyone there. And then the, the revelation that the surgeon was Abby's dad, and that that's why Abby kills Joel is a is a big revelation. But for me, like, there's there's smaller twists in it that were just that were even more impactful. Like the point I was waiting in The Last of Us Part Two for the point where you would find out as Ellie that Joel had done that, that Joel had murdered those yeah. people. And then the revelation comes that actually, before The Last of Us Part 2 starts, Ellie has already found that out and worked through that. And the that's revelation so that Ellie awesome. already knows and still wants to avenge Joel's death, that's such a complex character beat that it, it, it's amazing. It really is
3: incredible. That is exactly it. And there's this one scene on the porch where Ellie is basically off Joel. She's like, I hate you for doing that. And he's slowly trying to bring her back into this life. And he plays her this Pearl Jam song. And it kind of works as the theme for the game. And it's brilliant. It's, it's, oh, it's so good. And uh, closest to the point where Abby kills Ellie, because the time does like, fly around a bit. She, uh, Abby kills Abby. Sorry, Abby kills Joel. God, I'm getting confused. <laughs> Close to that point in the timeline of the game, Ellie is slowly starting to forgive Joel. And she yeah. goes to him and his porch. And they have a really nice moment. I think they hug or whatever. And that's only shown to you at the end of the game which makes it so much more heartbreaking for her just to get over that herself and for Abby to kill her. Anyway, so... Uh, um, yeah. But the fact that so like I you...
2: started the game loving Ellie, like you start the game really liking yeah. Ellie, and then they, they they introduce Abby and make her do something so monstrous, immediately you're like, well, she's the villain, I hate her. Then yes. there's a twist halfway through the game where it the timeline almost resets and then you play the events that you've played as Ellie, but from Abby's perspective, if you see what I mean. Yeah. And then it gets to a point where Ellie, you're Abby fighting Ellie. And the fact that they've introduced Abby having to do something that makes you hate her. But then I, by that point in the game, for me, I liked Abby more than Ellie. Yeah. And I had to fight Ellie. And she suddenly, a character that I had identified with and really liked, was just a villain, a boss that I had to defeat. it, it I've never, I've, like I said, I've never, ever, ever had that feeling in a game. I think what they did is... a piece of genius and we haven't even talked about the the um we haven't even talked i can't even remember what they're called that the other uh faction that are like with bows and arrows and what are they called
3: oh the cult uh the church cult uh, yeah uh, what are they
2: called um where what's his what's the name of the
0: fireflies
2: no not the Yara fireflies Lev.
3: the seraphite
2: yeah, the Seraphites and and yeah, Lara, Lev. Like, we haven't even talked about Lev, who is who is, ah, oh, just and that is introduced so late into the game and becomes like,
3: mm. yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying completely. When I got the controller and started playing as Abby, I was like, what the f word is this? Like, what <laughs> the hell is this? Like, I don't want to play as this character. She just yeah. killed one of my favourite video characters ever. But then you like her more than Ellie. You see Ellie go down on this horrible journey of revenge and lose who she is and she has a partner who's pregnant Dina and Dina sees her losing her humanity and Abby's gaining her humanity and it's because the the stories mirror each other because Abby was trying to hunt Joel for her revenge and then she killed Joel and now Ellie is trying to do the other thing and it just yep. goes to show like how pointless her revenge is Levin Lev and Yara, is it Yara? Lev and Yara, yeah. They are just brilliant characters. Lev is transgender, voiced by a transgender actor. And to see that represented as a video game is brilliant. To see a a gay character and a a bi character or two gay characters have a baby is absolutely brilliant. That's what video games need more of. That's what any kind of media Mm. needs more of. And I can't speak for these communities but I can buy a game and support something which yeah. pushes that positive message. Yeah, And like, it is.
2: I think it's important to say that there are people in those communities who haven't been happy with, have criticised the reputa- representation of, particularly the transgender character and around the use of their dead name uh, by the enemies. And that's a complex issue that I don't have a solution to, certainly. And I, I don't want to, you know, I'm not equipped to, and I'm not the right person to defend it. Um, yeah. And it's... Yeah, it's just it needs. Uh, it's important to mention that there has been criticism. Uh, for me, on my on my perspective, as you know, a, a cis cis white man, it, the representation seemed like a, a positive thing. But I can understand why certain some communities are feeling critical of it. If that makes yeah. sense.
3: I think I, I read that too, and um, the actor that plays them, Ian Alexander. I think he made some comments on on that or uh, I think they made some comments on that and um I th- the 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 thing I read was yeah it's it's not perfect and I, I don't want to speak for the communities like you said but at least they've done it and been bold enough to do that yeah. in one of the biggest game releases of the generation yeah. of the ps4 generation to put multiple gay characters in or LGb characters in like it's such a bold step, and I. It makes me so stoked to like play games like this mm. where it has more of a message than you're just hitting someone in the face with a hammer. Yeah. Because like, yeah. I'm. I
2: mean, I'm a. I'm a. You know, I'm a. I'm a straight white man, and I know what that's like. And a lot of video games you play as straight white men, and I, you know, I like the opportunity to see different perspectives and to experience stories from other. Other perspectives, basically, and like the Last of Us Part Two, really does that in a, in a big way, and I I, I appreciate of that. So, Alex, we, we, we how what did you think of this game? <laughs> like,
0: I was very after after. So, I I the first thing I did was watch the trader that Dan sent yeah. me, mm-hmm. and the first thing I noticed was the fact that how. Realistic it looked, mm. and I was shocked and amazed that uh, video games have reached this point where they look absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, then I watched I've, I watched the uh, videos that you sent me, George. I think I spent the most time on this. <laughs> I think it was it's the most complex game yeah. that you've sent yeah. me. Um, so I've sen- I watched the two videos that you sent me, which I watched. So I watched um, the recap for the. Uh, the Last of Us yep. won, which was interesting, and and there, and there you have the choice of like he kills someone, like you could save humanity. So you have to choose: oh, you're going to save humanity, or you're going to save one person. And he he makes the wrong decision. This Joel. Yeah, yeah. You as a player and can't make that choice. I Joel wo- makes the choice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is it's interesting because like Dan said, you don't you don't want to make that choice because you you don't you don't want to kill this. the the doctor because you're going to save humanity Mm -hmm. so are you going to and that's the choice are you going to save one person or you're going to save millions of people Mm -hmm. and you know that's when as humans those kind of difficult decisions and it's interesting that they put in a game and then the second one looked amazing and how the story goes that you have to play as both characters in Mm -hmm. a way and who is the good person who's the bad person it's like you don't you don't really know because as humans we make decisions that are not really necessarily always the correct decisions and um i it just looks amazing and i i was surprised that it wasn't you both your number ones because you've talked about it in such an incredible way i would have assumed that this would be more your number one than i think them. part of it is
2: just recency um, bias makes me reluctant to put it at number one
0: yeah but i'm not I like I've been watching all your videos and I think this one is the most probably the one that it's the most also uh current to now mm-hmm. you know situation of humanity yeah, now so um and the backlash that the second one has had and the amount of um wrong uh people actually being very nasty nasty about mm-hmm. it uh it's really interesting and you know, I watched a few videos about that and how people just got it took it to heart about the decisions. Um I think I think it's like this game is twenty twenty, yeah. isn't it? Oh. Yeah. And I thought it's amazing. Yeah. And I would just I, I don't think I could play it because I would probably uh um not uh, not be able to live <laughs> but um because <laughs> it sounds it's very intense for a game. It is very yeah. intense. very heavy. It's a very lot intense.
2: But I think sort of along the uh, lines of what you're saying now, Alex, is it's also got the most um it's got a sh- it's got the biggest range of accessibility options I've ever seen in a game like they've done everything they can to make this game as accessible to everyone like when we were talking about the Witcher yeah. earlier like even more so with this game like there's color- they've considered color blindness they've considered physical disabilities they've considered like mm. they- they've just done as yeah. much as they can to make this game accessible to as many people as possible and that is to be massively commended in my opinion and like means that, like you could yeah. you could play it and get through it like with the right settings it would be a tough Story to follow and stuff, but there wouldn't be a gameplay. Mm. A lot of the times, like, there are games that are just too difficult for some people to get through. Whereas The Last of Us Part 2, they really have made it so that anyone can experience this story, and I think that's uh, yeah,
0: yeah, it should be. But it's amazing, did you see like, the, it's really, really incredible.
3: Did you see the girlfriend reviews for... video, Alex, on this?
0: Yeah, yeah, but I did. I did.
3: They did such a good job. I yeah. love their content, yeah. they're just yeah. amazing, yeah, and they really are.
1: How it
0: felt. Yeah, and that's I really enjoy them because also they were accused uh, to of being um of being paid by I think oh. it's in naughty. Dog yeah, yeah, it doesn't. yeah. Me. Yeah, they were accused of being paid by Naughty Dog, and she was like, "Well, I wish we were." <laughs> and yeah. Um, yeah, and that yeah, and no, the girlfriend reviews were amazing, and in fact, I might just start watching the girlfriend reviews of like that because they really really cool and. They explained the 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 video game in, in an incredible way. Yeah, I've never seen yeah, it's uh, the best yeah. way. The
2: best way to learn about what's good about The Last of Us Part Two is to watch both of the videos that they yeah. did. They are
1: masterpiece. Yeah. And videos. I watched
0: both and I spent the most time on videos and comments on this one. Yeah. yeah and yeah, if I if I ever had like sixty thousand hours, <laughs> t- hours, I, I would or or a game console, yeah. I would play it, but I don't. Yeah, know. Hours. No, definitely. <laughs> like like yeah. to be
2: totally honest. While I've been talking about this game, I'm like sh- shaking. Like the the level of emotion I have for this game is higher than mm. anything else. Like when I put mm. this game down, it uh, it's just it's it's perfect it's such a it wonderful is. piece of work
0: yeah that's why. why is it not your number one guys i
3: I thought about it a lot i think, I think given given
2: a bit of time away from it apart from it it could be my number one i i've never played a game like it ever
3: mm. yeah I, I could see it being the same but i guess i thought about what you guys said about the lists are constantly evolving and changing and i thought that for games as a whole yeah the witcher did more um, mm. In, mm. in terms of game mechanics for storytelling The Last of Us too, yeah. much more than any other game that's ever existed I, I think but for like the mechanics it brought in um, but yeah like it's it's just an amazing game I, I kept really clear of like the leaks the spoilers I didn't know anything about it yeah. and then when I finished it I looked up like I was like I just finished this game I want to talk about it I want to read what other people are saying about it yeah, I yeah. Just, I didn't. I wanted to carry so on living sad. in the
2: world of the. I just wanted to carry on being part of that Last of Us Part Two. Mm. I just w- didn't want mm. it to end. I didn't want to stop seeing it. Oh, it's just we could we could carry on just saying superlatives about Last of Us Part Two forever, um, and I'd like to because it would maybe drown out the people who are wrong about it. But, um, the the yeah.
1: good news yeah. just to finish
3: it on a, a good note. Yeah, it is the third highest-grossing game in the US in PlayStation history God of War and Spider-Man and the other the other two above it yeah it's the fastest selling Mm. PS4 exclusive ever selling 4 million copies on the opening weekend wow and it's the third best selling game of this year after Call of Duty and Animal Crossing Call of although there was this yeah like the Modern Warfare one all of this backlash didn't hurt it and it people Mm. chose their wallets and pushed for more games like this to be made which I think is awesome like, yeah. it's just an absolute masterpiece.
2: What a game. Yeah. yeah. So that's my number two. That is also Dan's number two. So then we can go to my mm-hmm. number one. Uh, my number one, yes. the only reason it goes above Last of Us Part 2 is because of, the, of, you know, time. It came out, you know, a good few years ago now. And it's sort of, it didn't, it wasn't the first game in this sort of type of game, but it did sort of popularise a genre or type of game that then... Became huge um, and definitely my mm. favourite. It came out in 2011 for the Xbox 360 and for the PlayStation 3, I believe. Yeah. And it um, was developed by From Software and it is the game Dark Souls. Um, so not Bloodborne as Dan predicted earlier. Uh, yeah. But I do, I adore Bloodborne, but it's just because Dark Souls came first, it's what I love it. And like, so. My love affair for the Dark Souls series began with Demon's Souls which was a PS3 exclusive uh, that came out in like 2009 I think and then Sony was so kind of had so little faith in it that they didn't release it in the west it only came out in Japan and then I think it came out in America but maybe still not in the UK and then GameSpot the review website made it game of the year for that year and I remember thinking, why are they, that game looks terrible. Like, if you've never played a Souls game before, and you look at footage of it, it looks so clunky and bad and weird. And I remember just being like, they're just, that's just ridiculous. And then Dark Souls came out a couple of years later, and what had happened was Bandai Namco had published Demon's Souls in the UK, because Sony wouldn't. And then From Software agreed to make a sort of spiritual successor for Bandai Namco that Sony wouldn't own, which is how Dark Souls became came about, rather than a Demon mm-hmm. Souls 2. And I got Dark Souls for the Xbox 360 because I'd heard that people really liked it. And I played it and I was like, what is this game? I'm so confused. And I was just going through it and I like managed to kill the first boss and it took forever and I was like, right, okay, so I've done that and it just felt like it felt like the game hated me like working through the levels and trying to kill the bad guys and I like I just kept dying and I kept losing all my experience points because that happens if you die. And I I was like, this game hates me. Why does this game hate me so much? But I pushed through. I defeated the first boss. And then I went down. You go down into the sewers. And I was walking along this sewer. And I fell in a hole and fell down into a pit that I couldn't escape from easily. And this frog thing breathed smoke on me. And it cursed me and killed me. And then when I came back to life, my health was cut in half and I couldn't get all my health back. I was, like, stuck at half health. And there was no clear way to, like, like it was like, you're cursed. And I was like, well, how do I not be cursed anymore? And it was like, I don't know, you're, you're just, you're cursed. And I was like, I, 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 I hate you and I hate this game. And I took it out and I sold it and I hated it. <laughs> and then when I moved to Japan, actually, and I eventually got a PlayStation 3, I got Dark Souls again then. And I don't know what, it was different, but I played it again and suddenly I loved it and I pushed through and I worked out how to get rid of the curse and stuff like that and played through And like the act of finishing that game, like actually completing that game for the first time, was the most rewarding moment I've ever had in a video game because it is such a brutally, crazily difficult game. Like This is a game where you're plonked in this world, it's this massive open world, but there's no like... It's not open world in the way GTA is you know moving from one bit of it to another bit of it is incredibly difficult because any enemy in the game can kill you in about 2 seconds if you're not careful and there's no fast travel like if you get up to one bit of it and you want to go down to another bit of it you have to physically walk there um and every time you die you lose all your experience points and if you and they land on the floor where you died and if you don't get back to them before you die again they're just gone forever um every time you like all the enemies come back each time you die as well, and it just is so brutally difficult. And it really, it never explains anything to you. It never tells you how to do anything. You just kind of have to work it out on your own. And um, yeah, like finishing it felt like I had like genuinely defeated an 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 entity as an entirety that didn't like me, and I had shown it who's boss, and it was brilliant. And I, and since then they've made Dark Souls two and Dark Souls 3, which I like to varying degrees, and then Bloodborne, which I think is a masterpiece, because, like, where Dark Souls takes its inspiration from European fantasy and medieval fantasy, and you can play as sort of like a knight fighting dragons and stuff, Bloodborne uh, takes its inspiration from, like, the works of H.P. Lovecraft and things like that, and it's kind of this gothic horror.
3: Excuse
1: me. (laughs) I see. (laughs) Sorry.
0: Beautiful. So,
2: <laughs> Bloodborne takes its inspiration from the works of H.P. Lovecraft, and is this Victorian Gothic horror game where you're fighting werewolves and things, and rather than you know dragons, and it's just a different setting. And I love that game, but because Dark Souls kicked it all off, that has to be my my number one pick. I absolutely love it. Um, what's your experience? And you know, we talked earlier about Demon Souls, which is a remake of that original game that led to it. Um so I'm really that's I know I love Demon Souls, but Dark Souls, yeah, that's the first. What's your experience with the Souls series, Dan?
3: My experience was George said that Bloodborne's a good game, so I bought it. <laughs> and then I went, What the hell is this game? Much like your first experience, I was like, <laughs> What the hell do I do? But I, I didn't sell it, um, I kept at it and it is incredibly rewarding. It is it's it's just brilliant. It's it's so... It's it's hard to describe. It's kind of like, I like the pain of dying a million times on this <laughs> boss, but then you beat them once, and you learn their moves, and you can beat yep. it like, you're like, Oh, you like, oh, he's... he's The sword's above his head for two seconds. That means he's going to hit me, so I need to roll to the right. Yeah. Those kind of like elements to it. Yeah. Just, just brilliant. And I always feel this hesitation in any of these uh, Soulsborne games. When you're exploring the map, you're always like what's around the next corner. In Demon's Souls, which is very similar, you die in one hit or whatever, yeah. I always have my shield up because there are enemies hidden around the corner yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. My favorite game out of the Born thing is Sekiro, which is like it, but set in Japan, which George didn't like because it's really hard and he needs to get good. But no, it's it because it's rubbish. <laughs> it's because it's
2: every enemy is just a, a guy with a sword. There's no variation <laughs> to the to the enemies, to the locations, any of it. There's a giant like that. snake. There's a oh, headless God.
3: ape. There's monks. There's it's it's. Uh, I like it for different reasons, but yeah, I can see why you don't. I can see how you come from Dark Souls and Bloodborne to that. I see where you come from, mate. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's. It's fun and challenging and rewarding, like when that feeling you get. When I beat Bloodborne, I was like, yes, I'm finally worthy. I've done it. <laughs>
1: yes.
3: Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing quite like the experience
2: of walking into a boss room for the first time and dying immediately. And then after like half an hour defeating that boss that, that you that seemed like this impossible You know, you walk into a room and there'll be a giant ball made of knives and you're like, Well, how am I meant to fight this knife ball? That's clearly impossible. And then you realize <laughs> eventually, you're like, oh, when it does this, it opens up.
3: It's just, ah, it's great. It's great. And you, you collect these things called, like, they souls in this game, or they're, they're called different things in other games. Yeah. And you collect them, Alex. And then when you die, <laughs> you lose them, hmm. unless, like, so you, you collect all your souls and then you die. And you have a point in the game where you can go and press a button and get them all back. Yeah. But if you die again yeah. before you reach the, the point before where you died, you hmm. lose them forever. So you could spend hours on this game living, collecting all these souls so you can level up your character and then you walk around the corner and some guy one kills you, one hit kills you with a sword Yeah. and then you go back and fall off a ledge and you, you're gone. Yep. And it's
1: it enjoyable. It,
3: it happens really to me in, uh,
2: in Demon's Souls <laughs> I accidentally walked into the uh, Tower Knight boss fight with 5,000 souls acquired and it killed me and then on the way back I died and I just had to put the game down and walk away because I was so... <laughs> Um, and like you said, Dan, when you it's, it's a, like walking around with your shield up all the time. Like one of my favorite videos on on the internet is um, I was watching a video on it's a website called Giant Bomb of somebody playing through Dark Souls, and there's a bit where they're walking along this like cliff edge, and it's like there's a cliff here, there's a, there's a cliff where they are, and then it drops down as well, and they're just on this bit jutting out, and they're walking along, and you almost can't tell, but there's a bit where it goes in slightly, so there's a corner that he can't see behind. And he walks past this corner, and this big skeleton just kicks him off this ledge and kills him. And there's just no way of him knowing that that was there. And it's so funny. Yeah, it's just such a cruel game. It really does not care about like making the player happy. Um, yeah, like it. Uh, Alex, what did you make of it from the videos you watched?
0: Well, I I had completely forgotten about this game, and I remember you talking to me about it in japan yeah. after watching the videos and i was like yeah this is such a joke game. <laughs> like the most frustrating game you could possibly find <laughs> that's definitely george and i remember you tell me exactly the same things about like the curse you can lift and you're just dying and it's just like it's such a frustrating game i can't believe you can just like lose everything at any point in yeah. time i would just literally destroy <laughs> the tv I would I would destroy everything because I I don't know it just seems really frustrating but yeah good choices guys thank you good choices so yeah
2: dan your number 1 is just for prosperity the
3: witcher 3 the wild hunt
2: Woo-hoo! good stuff a strong first Ooh, choice So, um, shall I, I'll run down my list from the top, and then you can do yours as well, uh, and then we'll do some honourable mentions. So, my number five was Persona 4 Golden, my number four was The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, number three was Hitman 2, number two was The Last of Us Part 2, and number one was Dark Souls.
3: My number five was Bioshock, my number four was Halo 3, my number three was Red Dead Redemption 2, my number two was The Last Last of Us Part 2, and my number one was The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. It's quite hard to
1: read that back because there's yeah, two three <laughs> after the games.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah.
2: Um, so um, all I've got really is just a handful of games that didn't quite fit on my list. I could go much deeper, but I'll just stick with these. So Bloodborne, which we mentioned a bit. Demons, Souls, you know, they're connected to Dark Souls. Then Final Fantasy VIII uh, and Final Fantasy VII. And basically the whole Final Fantasy series. I love uh, the Resident Evil series, particularly the recent remake of two. Uh, Silent Hill 2 is uh, my favorite horror game of all time. I love Silent Hill 2. A game called Return of the Obra Dinn, then the whole Metal Gear Solid series. I've got you know I love those. And then very recently I have I, I think it is a masterpiece and in any other year it would be my favorite game of the year if it wasn't for The Last of Us Part 2. Hades is a masterpiece. And a lot of the stuff we've been talking about Dan in terms of <laughs> yeah. Dark Souls being rewarding, those same things are rewarding about Hades. So I uh, it's a big uh, it's, it's a masterpiece. It's 10 out of 10 perfect game. That's my
3: honorable yeah. mentions. I'll go through mine quickly. I have, a, I have a big list, but I'll just go through quickly. So, Braid, <laughs> Fable, Sekiro, uh, Oblivion, Elder Scrolls <sighs> 4, Skyrim, Ori, the Ori games were beautiful. We oh, yeah, yeah. Paint, playing a painting and the music was great. And Hollow Knight, God of War, Final Fantasy 7, the GTA games, Last of Us 1, the Uncharted series, the Metal Gear Solid series, Limbo, Super Meat Boy. Geometry Wars, Batman Arkham Asylum, Marvel <laughs> Spider-Man, Shadow of Colossus, Persona 5, Resident Evil 4.
0: What good one, buying?
3: good choice. Banjo-Kazooie, that was oh, Star on Xbox. Solid so choice. Set that one in. Yeah, no, that works. Mass Effect 2. But there were so many games, like, so many games, but yeah. Hmm. Awesome
2: source. Right, well, that brings us to the end, I think. Um, that's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. No homework
2: assignments for this week, but um, it was a strong. It was a good chat. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dan. I've appreciated it a lot.
0: Yeah, thank, thank you, Dan. Dan. Thanks for
2: having me. Come I back. I hope you'll come back soon uh, to talk about Nintendo games.
0: Yeah,
2: uh, that would be a fun chat.
0: Oh, yeah. definitely. And
2: um, yes, please. Thank you, wonderful listeners, for for sticking with us again and choosing us. Uh, next week, I believe if we've timed this right, will be our big celebration of 2020 episode. Um, 2020, famously, the worst year of all time. <laughs> um, <laughs> has had some some yeah. bright pop culture spots. So we'll be highlighting those next week and having a chat around that, which I'm pretty excited for. Um, yeah, yeah, me too. So find us on all the usual places on social media. Um, you can find links to all of those in our show notes along with links to uh, all the stuff we talked about in culture catch-up and um yeah join us next week for our best of 2020 and please have a wonderful week thank you so much
1: thank, thank you you, Love you. Bye. bye thanks dad bye bye bye